What is up, Fence fam, and welcome to the Fence Expert Podcast, a podcast devoted to anything and everything fence. Whether it's tools, guests, or answering your fence-related questions, you've come to the right place. This podcast is sponsored by OZFence.store, your one-stop shop for all your fencing-related hardware. Right now, they're offering a free shipping of $150 or more, and if you use the discount code PODCAST, you can save 15% in addition to the free shipping. With all that being said, let's dive into this week's episode. Fitz fam, welcome back. Happy Saturday. So good to see you virtually again. So glad you guys are here. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the week. I hope it's part of your weekly too. Um, I guess if you're here, it is part of your weekly uh, routine maybe. Anyway, regardless, appreciate it. Good to see you. Or good to talk to you if you guys are listening to us on the podcast because as we've been talking about we've got podcasts now which is uh, simply this content repurposed into an audio format so that people can listen on other days because i absolutely understand that saturday mornings are not prime uh real estate or they are prime real estate i guess i don't know they're not a great time for some people to watch video totally understandable i get it so check out the podcast if you're listening on the podcast thank you i appreciate it Consider giving us a five-star review because Jeremy Braden tell me that really helps the channel. So that would be awesome. If you guys are watching us on YouTube live, welcome. So glad you guys are taking time out of your Saturday to jump in. Talk a little bit of fence. Let's say hi to a few folks. Roger Bencourt's here. Hey, Joe, and the rest of the fence fam. Hello, Roger. How are you? What? So Roger says, happy Independence Day. Not Independence Day yet. We're, we've got a couple days. So the treasonous plot has been set, but not yet uh, executed, as it uh, as it were, I guess. So, But anyway, happy Independence Day weekend. Maybe that's the thing. Uh, let me know what you guys got planned for Independence Day. For the U.S. viewers, you know, the U.K. viewers probably call this something else. Maybe uh, Treason Day weekend or something. I don't know. There's that meme that uh, shows the queen saying, you know, happy treason day or something to that. Oh, Duncan says happy Canada day. There you go. If that's, if that's, if today is Canada day, happy Canada day to you. I should probably know these things. We should look these things up. Duncan goes on to say, so we chatted briefly about my chain link fence in Marmora, Ontario, Canada with all the shelf rock. I ended up digging the holes and then getting core drill, and then I cemented every post. Fantastic, Duncan. I bet it was a long process, but that fence is going to be incredibly sturdy. I mean, you set it to the rock, so what are the chances that rock's uh, ever going to move? Sounds like you have an incredibly sturdy fence. Now, core drilling and cementing probably wasn't the fastest process, but like I say, you're going to have a great long-term fence. Let us know uh, how it's progressing. Guys, as always, these lives are brought to you by Stain and Seal Experts, Expert Stain and Seal. Thank you for the nice new cap. I really appreciate it. Now, I still got the old cap. I'm keeping that. That's a memento. It is a collector's item now because you can no longer get them. But, like I said, to say thank you for the new hats. Went ahead and wore it today for you guys. Uh, guys, if you're into, if, if you're building fence and you haven't checked out Stain, check out Stain and Seal Experts. That was basically my story is that uh, we have a family-owned fence company. We're looking to add another revenue stream to that. We had thought about staining, and actually we had uh, got samples in of other 
staying brands. Uh, one of them was through our local lumber store anyway. Uh, i tell you what immediately put us off from those, though, was when you opened the cans, you were just smacked in the face with this chemical smell. And it just didn't seem like it was going to be a great experience for our clients and for our team members. Um, I mean, with our clients, so the three, reason the three reasons people build fences are kids, pets, and bad neighbors or neighbors, depending on who you talk to. Uh, but my thought was if, if it had the strong chemical smell, what's in it, I don't know. I'm a fence guy. I'm not a chemist, but I don't know that it's safe putting in a yard that has kids or pets in it or kids and pets around it. So anyway, that kind of put that thought off for a few years. We had kind of shelved that idea, uh, until randomly one of the people in the St. Seal experts university, the free Facebook group, I uh, invited me into it. So that, ah. Uh, I'll check it out. Just see what, see what this is about. Cause we had talked about staying, but like I said, I had that experience. Like, oh, we'll see uh, the tremendous amount of free content that Caleb put onto that, that Facebook group, that page was really what sold me on the product. Uh, we had ordered a sample just to see what it was. Right. Open it up. Not a chemical smell. Interesting. Uh, and then I chatted with Caleb in the group about, we hadn't seen before. We were thinking about staining. What do we need equipment-wise and all that? Uh, very gracious to walk us through it. Anyway, so the rest is history, right? So the first two fences we had stained uh, were rental houses of mine. So I thought, well, if we really screw this up, I'm the guy that would play. I'm, I know the client, right? So, uh, But it went super well. We had, um, we had a misstep. So I think probably a common thing you see people do is probably not apply enough of it. It's a flood coat stain. And that's what we were doing. So I had uh, messaged Caleb. I was like, hey, getting runs in this. It's not even, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Uh, a quick FaceTime later, he said, oh, you're just not putting enough on it. Tell your guy, you know, coat it a little bit more, a little bit heavier, and just wait and see. Sure enough, it's turned out great. And it's actually uh, right down the street. I look at it every day, coming to work and going home, just to see how it's looking. And still looks fantastic today. So anyway. You can't go wrong by choosing stainless steel experts. When they approached me for sponsoring the show, uh, of course, I was ecstatic. I mean, it's a product that we love using. I would love to introduce it to more people because it was a great experience on my end. So all that being said, for more information on stainless steel experts, check out the description below. Say hi to a few more people. The Fence Industry Podcast with Dan Wheeler. What's up, Fence Fam? Actually, he just said hashtag Fence Fam, but good morning, Fence Fam. Did I misspell it? Maybe is he? Oh, okay. First, I was like, man, I misspelled this, and he's helping me out. But looks like anyway. Welcome, Dan Wheeler. You guys are looking for a podcast. Uh, besides the new one that we're having, right, or that we've put out, uh, check out Dan Wheeler's podcast. It is a very good podcast. I enjoy listening to it. Uh, it comes out Wednesday morning. So I listen to it on my Wednesday morning uh, drive into the office and usually on my way home. I Anyway, don't have, don't have the time to sit through both of them. I've got about a 15, 20-minute drive. So listen to it on the way in the morning, on the way home in the afternoon, and then usually I'll send Dan a message saying, fantastic episode. I uh, just got done this week's episode, which actually this week's episode was with uh, Dylan Blanc, uh, Fence Prince, I think is what he's affectionately known as. A son of Dan Blanc, Fence King, uh, talking about 
basically a new owner, what do they need to do? What are their first few steps? You know, I believe the question was if Dylan were to start a fence company, what would his first steps be? Right. Knowing what he knows now. So great episode. Check it out. There's also bonus content. Now I saw this morning as I was choosing a podcast to listen to on my way into work this morning. Uh, anyway, check out fence industry podcast with Dan Wheeler. He's up to really good stuff. What is up talking about fence guys with podcasts, fence, my fence life. So my fence life is a Facebook live, uh, feed it's not really a feed it's a show a facebook live show uh with dan and cannon where they talk about their fencing experience uh he said it's the fence expert hello guys here's the thing i actually so it's funny so uh dan and i dan and dan and i the two dans dan blanc dan wheeler and i have, have talked this week just basically about growing social media presence in the fence industry, how it's going gangbusters. And and I think people out there, much like yourself, enjoy watching how other people do it. I know when I'm traveling, I always like to stop at a fence company just to see how things are laid out, how they how they organize their lot or how they handle office processes. So when I can consume content at home when I'm not on the road, I love doing it. So uh the conversation is how can we get more fencing professionals into social media? Because as a consumer, I need more. I need to be able to see more fence guys and gals and uh, how they tackle it so that maybe we can kind of glean one of these golden nuggets that Sean King likes to talk about. How can we find them? Where can we find them? How can we apply them to our daily fence life? Up, oh, that's too close to that one. So our daily fence journey. There we go. Anyway. It's something that we're all talking about. I think we're up to good stuff as, a, as an industry, but we need more people. We need more professionals having conversations like this so that we can all get better together. The rising tide raises all the ships, so to speak. Dan, or uh, sorry, I made it. I made a Well, okay, there's the crown right there. So that's what led me to believe this is Dan. If it's Cannon, I apologize. I think it's probably Dan because of the crown. Anyway, check him out. Roger Bencourt was here early. He's here often. Roger, welcome. Per usual, don't forget to hit some form of affirmation. Absolutely. And so we were talking about this last week in that. So Facebook now, they're kind of figuring out that the like button is an easy thing to hit. Right? When you're scrolling, you can just click it, move on. Click it, move on. Click it, move on. You can really chew through some content just liking all all your friends' pages and things like that. So likes don't have as much impact in the algorithm. They're not telling us it has no impact on the algorithm, but they're saying it has minimal impact on the algorithm. What the current advice is, is if you're on a Facebook platform, press and hold the like button and then go to one of the others that it shows there, the I think there's a heart or a hug or a laugh or a cry. Just choose one. I don't know that any one has any more weight than the other, but it does have more weight than a like. All that to say, uh, some form of affirmation would be fantastic, and we really appreciate that. And per usual, Roger, thank you for the reminder. And then if you're listening on podcasts, five-star review. I think that's really the only way that you can show positive affirmation on that, on those platforms, on podcasts. Dan Wheeler, correct me if I'm wrong, though, because I'm new to the podcast. 
Dan Wheeler's been there since the beginning. Maybe not since the beginning of podcasts. He was the first podcast related to fencing. I should say that. He used to say, the intro used to say the first and only podcast for the fencing industry or something along those lines. Uh, he got Danny Cannon into the he, into the podcast realm first, and then we decided to jump in. He, he twisted my arm, folks. He really did. Every time I talked to him, it was about podcasts. So, lo and behold, got Braden and Jeremy involved in it. Now we do podcasts as well. But he is still, and he will always be, the first podcast for the fencing industry. It's no longer the only. Michael says, hey, Joe, beautiful day in northern Michigan. Well, Michael, I'm happy for you. It's supposed to be, I think, 100 degrees today. Uh, chance of rain, which means it's going to rain for about five minutes. Just, just enough to raise the humidity up to about 135 million percent. It's already sticky here in in the Midwest and Southwest Missouri. So, but I'm jealous of your beautiful day in Northern Michigan. Duncan says, uh, Duncan was talking about the core drill where I said it's not the easiest or fastest process. He says, definitely not, but it's up and it's standing. And it will remain standing as part of that rock now for generations to come. Jeremy is here. Hello, Jeremy. Welcome to the podcast. This is like, I don't know, a dozen weeks in a row or something. Maybe not that many, but Jeremy is becoming one of the usual suspects found in the chat. And I really appreciate it. If you guys are watching and haven't said hello yet, let me know you're here by dropping a comment. There we go. That direction. Uh, let me know you're here. If you're watching on LinkedIn, for some reason, I'm going to say something for some reason. It's typically because of the platform. LinkedIn comments don't show up. In my comments that I see over here, I believe your comments are actually Facebook or comments, I think, are below. It, anyway, LinkedIn comments don't show up. I apologize. I'm trying to, we, we're going to try to figure out a way to where maybe there's a separate screen with a sec, separate stream that shows me the LinkedIn comments, but I still can't show it right here. And I like see, I like showing it, showing you guys there. Anyway, Jeremy, welcome. Appreciate you being part of the podcast and live stream. I appreciate you showing up. CNS Vinyl Fence. Hey, Joe, we are spending three days at our hunting property. The team has Monday off with freedom bonus pay. I like that a lot. You know, so we're having conversations right now revolving around uh, team member perks or benefits or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so we had, the team and I had just uh, bought, so we bought two steers. I don't know, we bought them probably a month ago. Uh, last week, they were dropped off at the processor. But it was that that we picked them up. Wednesday, maybe? Uh, all, the, all these days always blend together. Wednesday, pretty sure. Wednesday, thir Wednesday, Thursday, I don't know. We took a drive out to Seymour, picked up all the beef. It was a tremendous amount of beef protein. But, uh, yeah, so I shot a short video and asked you guys what you guys do to show thanks to your team because we're all trying to figure this out together, right? My The beef concept, the idea, actually came from Matt Warner. His family owns a beef farm where they raise beef cattle. So he was talking to me about that. And actually, uh, when we were talking about it was when we were up at uh, Empire Net for an AFA training. And he had a steak cookout for everyone. I thought, who is this guy? Steak cookout for like, there was probably 100 people. There might, maybe more than 100 people. 
steak cookout what is matt up to and as we chatted about it, he's like yeah my family has uh they raise these cattle beef cattle so anyway but he told me about how they do they do this where they'll buy a beef or they'll buy a couple beefs have them processed and then hand them out to the team members and i thought what a great idea so we did it and uh, i tell you what it has gone over very well especially right now because of where the price of beef is all in i gotta do the exact numbers but all in is around three dollars a pound um it's probably actually like 298 or 289 i round up it's about three bucks a pound uh now that's for steaks and hamburger so go find a ribeye steak or t-bone steak for three bucks a pound probably not gonna happen but anyway that's what we did. But I'm always looking for ideas from you guys on what you guys do to help your team out. So maybe we can do another perk throughout the year. We do. Uh, this is one that we're going to start implementing in the summer. We might try to do it in the spring. Depends on when the cattle finish out. But um, we have a back to school bonus program where um, in August, so the first of August, so next month, hello, July, next month, the first of next month, we'll give out it's uh, $500 per kid that's in school to try to help with back to school expenses because clothes are stinking expensive i i've got a couple school-aged kids and that is we almost have to take out a second mortgage just to get these kids back to school because then also you have all the school supplies you have just on and on and on so august 1st we do a back to school 500 dollars for for each kid that's in school to try to help out with that uh then we do let's see september we go to the ballpark september 9th uh, we have Ozark Fence Night at the ballpark where we sponsor a uh, beanie cat. This year it's a beanie cap giveaway. It's a uh, orange digital or digital camo with an orange rim and orange ball on top. It's a pretty big hit. But I'll take all the all the team members to the stadium, and we generally sit up in what they call the Redbird Roost, which is like the all inclusive uh, section. It's got all the ballpark food, hamburgers, hot dogs, brats, fries, soda, everything you could want for team members, team members, families. Sometimes they bring, you know, for our younger guys that don't have families, they bring a couple friends. Anyway, those are some of the things we do, but I'm always happy to hear from you guys on what you do, just so maybe we can incorporate some of them. I like this three days at the hunting property. So CNS, what, I guess this depends on where you guys are at. I apologize. I, I try to keep, I need it. Here's an idea. We need to put a map like right here on this wall of all of just, the friends of the show, right? You guys that are commenting just so I can kind of keep a visual representation of where everyone is. But that being said, I don't remember where you guys are from. Where are you from? And what hunting season is it for you? So it's all, it's not August yet. It is July. So here, I don't know that we're in, we're in season really for any sort of game that we would go hunt. Uh, now, in Missouri, if you're a property owner of more than so, I think it's more than 10 acres uh, and the animals are destructive to your property, you could hunt all year with a, like a landowner type tag or something like that. I don't have 10 or more acres, so I'm not versed in this. Uh, my granddad did, so he, I knew some of his regulation. Anyway, what's in season is the question I'm asking you. Uh, so deer come into season, uh, bow season starts in September. September, August, August, September. I did look this up, but anyway, I don't know anything that's in season July. What are you guys hunting? Let me know. I, I especially like the freedom bonus pay. I like that a lot. We do a paid day off. Um, 
we don't do freedom bonus pay. Kind of like this, uh, kind of like this idea. Landmark Creations, what's up, Fence Fam? Kevin, so glad to see you. Appreciate you being here. Braden Powell, morning, Joe, and everyone. Braden, who is usually behind the camera, is commenting from the homestead right now or wherever he's at. I don't know. I, I assume his place of residence, but maybe not. Who knows? Um, here, So here's kind of the tough thing with, in Braden's situation. So Braden typically is here on Saturdays, but he has Monday off. That way he gets Sunday, Monday as a weekend. Um, but when Mondays are holidays, well, that's not quite fair because the rest of the team gets a payday off. So Braden takes Saturday as his vacation, or not vacation day, but holiday day. Holiday day? Holiday payday. There you go. Braden, thanks for showing up. Appreciate you, buddy. Kevin says, speaking of Dan Wheeler, I've been I've binge listened to almost every one of his podcasts. Good stuff. Thumbs up. Couldn't agree more. I, like I said, Wednesday morning, I listen to him religiously. I really do enjoy it. Michael Taylor, affectionately known as Bam or Bam Bam, says, nice hat. Thank you, sir. It is sharp. I really do like it. Now, it's not orange. Lettering's not orange. Uh, listen, I understand. From a marketing perspective, this hat, fantastic. I mean, it's bold. It contrasts nicely. You can, you know this hat from across the room. People wear this hat, like, say, Fence Tech. You're going to see it across the room. I get it. It works. Listen, if you're wanting people to see the brand and associate it, it works for that. However, it's not orange. Okay. That's that's my beef with it. It's not orange. I have a hat from CNC Experts that is orange, but it's now an antique collector's item. Yeah, got to be careful with it. I don't, I don't know. This might be weird. I don't wash it because I'm worried about this thing falling apart. I don't want it to fall apart because I really legitimately like it. So maybe... Maybe I'll turn it into my travel day hat. Travel days where I'm, you know, flying to, we've got one coming up. We leave on the 19th, 20th, 19th, um, North Carolina for the TCAM training event. If you guys haven't found that, you can search at the TCAM, T-C-H-E-M training event. It is in Greensboro, North Carolina, coming up here in a couple of weeks. So on my travel day for that, I will, pro- I will probably make my old St. Seal Experts hat a travel hat. Anyway. Thank you for the hat. I really do appreciate it. And they are they are really sharp. They are nice. They're good. Um didn't silence my phone. Hold one. Get this thing on do not disturb mode. Surprising to me that people I feel like everyone should know that Saturday from 10 to 12 30, I'm here talking to you guys. We can get back with them later. That's why I looked at because I like usually it is on do not disturb mode. So if it is a text, it's usually a good one. Anyway, Callan says concrete postmaster driven into dirt, cost savings and time on the second. Thoughts? Yes. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. So if uh, if we could drive them, we would absolutely hundred percent, no looking back. Uh, and we tried it. So we invested in the post driver. Uh, we tried driving some at some other rental houses I'd had. My rental houses are kind of like my guinea pigs. Uh, so like I said, if we mess it up, the owner's not going to complain too loud. Um, roughly half the posts we were able to drive. It's really, really incredibly rocky. And so, and it's chunk rock. So we were talking, talking before about ledge rock or just large, massive chunks of rock that we'll typically core drill into and set the posts into that. And that will be the strongest post of the entire fence because now 
is embedded in this massive rock. Well, we've got chunk rock, which are like this big. How's this big? I don't know. Like, what do you compare it to? A beach ball, maybe? Um, they're big. But they're not massive. Like, you can't quarter into them. I mean, I guess you could. But it generally doesn't work. So, driving doesn't work uh, for us in our area, southwest Missouri. Like, literally, one of the counties south of here is called Stone County. That's how much rock that county has. The whole county is just called Stone County. They want people to know, hey, if you're coming here, you got some stone. And it's all over the county. So, anyway. Um, but there are a lot of people that do drive them, uh, i.e. Mark Olson, SWI, or now Successful Contractor uh, channel. You should check them out. Speaking of people with channels, fencing professionals, putting out good content, check out Mark Olson. If you guys are trying to keep track of these channels, it's really easy. I got you covered. So, go to my YouTube page. Check out, uh, what's it called? Old one. Go to YouTube. Um, let's search Joe Everest. Hopefully I show up for that, right? That'd be embarrassing if I don't. Um, there's a channel. So, let's see. There you go. Okay, so youtube.com forward slash Joe Everest. Look for the tab that says channels. So on this channels tab, I've got Pretty much all of the channels that I enjoy watching. Actually, I need to add Dan and Cannon's My Fence Life to this because they have a YouTube channel that is not on this. But, I mean, you've got SWI Fence and Supply of Power, which is the channel that I'm referencing now. They've got a video on driving uh, driving these posts. So, anyway, I got you. If you're trying to keep track of fence channels that I enjoy watching, go to my YouTube page. Look for channels. And that is most all of the channels I enjoy watching. I'm going to add a few to this keep up to date i did this a few uh probably a few years ago i did that eh, maybe a year ago anyway needs updating mark olson has a lot of content about driving posts actually i did a reaction video to one of mark's videos where he was driving steel postmaster post and uh if you can do it if your ground will accept it i would do it and not turn back period so there's an article and i have tried to find this article i don't i don't know how i came across it to begin with Someone probably emailed it to me. Anyway, years ago, I read an article talking about how uh, when when you're digging a post to set with concrete, whether dry pack or wet set, I'm not here to talk about that, argue, referee, that argument. But one or the other, you still got to drill the hole, right? So as you're drilling this hole, typically the auger teeth have some face forward, but also they have some kicked out so that they can try to work these rocks that you're going to hit up out of the ground. But while they're doing that, they're also loosening the dirt on the outside of the hole. They're, what's the word? Decompacting, uncompacting. They're, they're lessening the compaction of the soil that's still left around that. So you set it with concrete. I'm not even going to get into the expanding foam conversation. I did two videos on that. I think my experience is not worth it. It's a bit of nonsense, but some people have had success with it. You've had success with it. Fantastic. Not nonsense for your application. But anyway, concrete doesn't expand. Now it will settle. Anyway, those the ground around this hole is loose. So you set concrete. Now, maybe this is a feather in the cap of dry compaction. Again, 
not here to referee this argument, that argument. But uh, the soil's loose is the point. And then if you get a lot of rain, maybe those poop, maybe those posts move. Um, so I got an email from a from a viewer probably a week or two ago. They had used uh, one of the competitors of the Postmaster Post, but still a steel, still a steel purpose-built post made for a wood fence uh, that was leaning. And so they said they'd, they'd done a 36 inch hole and then this and that, but it had rained. So the soil around the post had given way and allowed that fence to move and lean. They asked if I'd ever seen it. I have, I mean, listen, we're not perfect. Some of our posts have done that. If the soil is really loose, we didn't set deeper to account for that, or we got a rain for whatever reason. Um, so driving doesn't have that effect, right? So if you're driving a post, you're actually to some extent making the soil around that post more compact. You're increasing the compaction of the soil because you're forcing this post into the soil. You're forcing the soil out away to make way for this post. Really long explanation or, or answer, I guess, but I would say driving posts, if you can, would be would be the way to go. I would do it. If we could, I would do it every day when we wouldn't set. I don't know. I, I was getting ready to say we would never set another post, but never say never, right? Never, I never make absolute statements because that's the best way to make sure you're going to have to do the thing. You just said you're never, ever going to have to do again. Um, because the conversation is about like gate posts, right? So if you drive a gate post, how does that work? Um, well, for us, so we use a two and a half inch CS40, a 40 weight post um, that would probably want to rotate, right? And so one, when we we're talking about driving it, we're first we talked about all of the things that could go wrong. How are we? This is something I think is going to happen. I think it's going to rotate. How do we account for that, right? So what we were going to do is weld. We've got tons of the six by six steel flat plates that we would fabricate or weld onto the bottom of a post to mount that post to concrete. It's a six by six half inch thick steel plate um weld that on the side similar to a t-post right so as we drove that in it wouldn't allow it to rotate i don't know i was still i was still on the fence about that idea uh whether or not that would let it rotate or not but okay driving them yes try it please do because if you can drive it consistently and repeatedly you will save yourself time money in the concrete but also the companies I've seen do this really well, if they have to get this job done, they'll have two crews, one crew or one team will drive post ahead. And then the second team will come in behind, start doing rails. And then the team that's driving, once they wrap up, they'll circle back around, follow the rail team with pickets. And I mean, it's like a conveyor belt building fence around this property. I've seen a few videos on it and it is impressive. So I'd love to do it. I really would. If you can do it in your area, I say go for it and let us know how it goes. Stain man, the one, the only, Kenny Dugan says, morning all after this weekend, let's hope everyone can still give two thumbs up to your show. Same. Please. If you're going to blow stuff up, blow it up responsibly. And that's coming from someone who has not blown things up responsibly in his youth, but still has 10 fingers, 10 toes, most all of my pride. So, uh, yeah, I was one of the lucky ones. Didn't blow myself up or <clears throat> anything. 
we got close a couple times. Um, as a youth, we experimented with, um, we did science experiments actually. So Kenny, you'll get a kick out of this. We were ahead of our time in experimentation. We had one experiment that we loved to reproduce. And that is, uh, when you introduce a dry eye substance and water into a closed environment, it always leads to expansion and sometimes with explosive results. Um, we like to do that one. That one was a good experiment that we love to repeat over and over on the weekends. Uh, but luckily, like I said, 10 fingers, 10 toes, and most all of our pride is still left intact. Kenny, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for pitching in. CNS Vinyl says, that's, that's a nice gift for the guys, probably talking about the beef. Sometimes little things make a big difference in attitudes. It absolutely does. Um, it, here's the thing with, with the beef giveaway. One, we still have, we filled up uh, a six-foot cooler, and you guys will see this in a video in a couple weeks, but a one six-foot cooler, deep-freeze cooler, filled, I mean, almost to the top with hamburger and one-pound bags. The other cooler had steaks in it. Now, the steaks have been hit pretty hard. <laughs> they, they were hit first, um, but there's still some steaks in there. Uh, but the beef hamburger is also, there's probably, I don't know, 20% of it gone at this point. So, and what I told the, what I told the people, our team members was take what, take what you can store, right? Don't take more than what, what you can store right now, because it's got a safe place here and it's here for everybody. Um, but also, and, and as it gets lower, as it gets drawn down, we'll simply buy another steer, fill it back up again, but also keep an eye on your friends and family, right? And, and those in your community. And a community could be a neighborhood. It could be an apartment building, whatever. Keep an eye on people because I think times are getting ready to get tough, right? So not in our market, but I've seen other videos in other markets where there's starting to be runs on protein, whether it's beef or pork or fish or whatever uh, at market and marketplaces at stores. And I think a lot of that is uh, could be related to probably some fear mongering, something like that. Uh, but it's happening. So I said, keep an eye on the people, on the people that you care about and that are in your community. If you know somebody that's in between meals, especially kids, like come get some, give it to them. No questions asked. Like there isn't a checkout policy on this cooler. Take what you need, take what they need, right? Just to keep them on their feet. So anyway, uh, and it has, it has made a massive difference in the attitude. I mean, we've got, I like to, I like to think or like to say that we have a good culture here. I really think we're up to good stuff. Uh, but even still, it does have once we've been talking about this beef idea since I came back from that training in Nebraska more than a year ago, we've been trying to put the steps and process and processes in place to make this happen. Uh, and everyone liked it. Everyone thought it was a great idea and all that, but the day, actually, I was going to say the day we brought the refoam, well, actually, we didn't get back to like 530, so most everyone was gone. Uh, but then next day, when they showed up, the cooler's full of beef. It was a pretty cool day around here. And then they, it made a really large impact on those people. So, anyway, it's a great idea. So, all in, we had two two steers. Like I said, three bucks a pound is about $3,000 for, for two steers and the processing. Um that probably also includes it. We went and bought 10 coolers, a couple hundred bucks in coolers, probably three grand, 3,100 all in. Not a massive investment for the amount of return that we've already gotten and that we'll continue to get. 
I think you guys should check it out. I really do. I think uh, if you got a place to put a deep freeze, that's really the thing. And, and I mean, so if it's three thousand for two, you could probably you could reasonably expect it would be fifteen hundred dollars ish for one. You're going to have some costs in there, uh, some built-in costs, production costs that don't scale with how many you know head of beef that you're processing. Anyway, not a massive investment, but you do get a massive return. Thank you, Matt Warner, for the idea. Dan Wheeler says, the fence expert has paved the path for the fence industry podcast and the fence fam. I, I don't know about that. Like, I just, I don't, I got this YouTube idea from a plumber uh, named Roger Wakefield, who is the expert plumber. Um, so it's, I don't know. We're all like, we're all, we're all in this together. And here's the thing is I don't take compliments like super well. I appreciate it. Thank you. But in my seat where I'm sitting, like I haven't done anything monumental. I've simply applied to the fence industry. What I saw uh, Roger Wakefield do in the plumbing industry. So anyway, we need more people though. CNS final says central Florida, but hunting property is in North Florida. Okay. We're mostly preparing for deer season and doing a little hog hunting. Very good. Very good. So we don't have uh, we don't have feral hog problem yet. I mean, they're, they're essentially all around us. So we're in Missouri, Southwest Missouri. We've got feral hog problems in Oklahoma. We've got feral hog problems in Arkansas. Uh, one interesting problem that is coming into the state is bears and mountain lions. So talking about the conservation department is talking about introducing uh, pred predator hunts uh, for mountain lions, for bears, that sort of thing to try to keep the populations in check. So, but no, I don't know why maybe our, maybe our area isn't suitable for hogs. I don't know, which is fine because I've seen the destruction these these hogs do on farmland on just acreage in general um they really really tear stuff up so anyway best of luck on the uh, on the hog hunt and the deer prep justin menez hello how are you hat looks great on you not as good as it looked on you so justin had this hilarious picture where it's like he had two of them sideways and one of them justin got more hats than i got that's I'm not gonna say anything more. I'm just gonna say that he must have because he had enough hats to have like two sideways and one front ways. Picture was hilarious. Yeah. So so Justin, these so these lives are going out into groups rather than pages, and that seems like it's the same thing, but I actually get to see your guys' names uh without having to tell me who you are. But thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. Gallon says, thank you for, for your insight. Great perspective. No problem. Tulsa here. Okay, so you're a neighbor over to the west, so you're probably about three hours away. Uh, 2.45, I guess, if you're, uh, you know, making good time. Uh, Tulsa here, planning on the startup business for fencing. Kind regards. You're very welcome, and I can introduce you to some people over there in Tulsa. Um, great people, great companies. Uh, and, and nice thing in Tulsa is you're going to have some suppliers in your backyard. The tough thing about Southwest Missouri, where we're at in Springfield, is we're three hours from anywhere. Tulsa, Kansas City, St. Louis, three hours from anybody, any of the major supply houses. Uh, so getting supplies is not the most, you know, quick experience. We get deliveries once a week. Now, we could go get it if we want to do a six-hour round trip, sure. But, and for whatever reason... All these suppliers deliver on, deliver on Thursdays. All the delivery trucks 
show up on a Thursday. The first company that figures out that they can deliver to Springfield on any day except for Thursday, like Friday or Monday, Monday, I think would be the killer because, uh, you know, so, well, so we, we've got a five foot tall black coated chain link job going right now. And we got shorted posts. They didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't have enough posts. They forgot to let us know that they weren't going to have enough posts. So when the truck showed up, not enough posts on that truck to start the job for next week. Luckily, the customer's understanding. She's going to be totally fine. We'll wait another week for posts to come down. Um, but if we had a if we had a wholesaler in our backyard where we could just go get more posts or a long stock or whatever to cut our own posts, that would have been fantastic. But as it stands, we can either drive six hours round trip or wait for the next delivery truck. Now, if any one of the suppliers that normally showed up to Springfield showed up on a Monday. We just have that thing on Monday and this isn't an isolated incident. So listen, people are people, people are human, right? They put on bags of tension bands instead of brace bands. They put on this instead of that. It's not so uncommon to get the wrong stuff or not enough of the stuff that you need. I think a company could do good business by showing up a couple days later and making a call like on a Friday morning. Hey, this is so-and-so with so-and-so. Wanted to see if you guys need anything on Monday's truck to give companies the opportunity to say, you know what? I didn't get this, whether I forgot it or it didn't get delivered, whatever, but I need it for next week's project. Could you deliver it on Monday? That way I can get the project started on Tuesday. I think it's a winning formula, but apparently I am the only one down here that does because none of the suppliers have figured out how to be here on like a Monday. Thank you for your insight. Great perspective. You're very welcome. Tulsa here. Right. So I could introduce you to, uh, to some of the, some of the players in Tulsa that do really good work. Nathan Downs comes to mind. I, ah, oh, so when you name one name, you got to name them all. I'm not going to do that. I'm just saying there's a lot of good guys. Personally, I could personally introduce you to Nathan Downs, who is an incredible individual. He's a great person. He also has a company that does good work. So anyway, best of luck to you. Caleb Roth. What's up, Joe? What's up, Caleb? I'm liking my Saturday mornings now because Caleb has a live that starts at nine. This one, of course, starts at 10. So while I'm getting ready for this, I can just take my phone and prop it up. Watch Caleb's live at 9 a.m. on Saturdays. If you guys haven't watched Caleb's live at 9 a.m. on Saturdays, you should check it out. Good stuff. I enjoy it. What is up, Caleb? So Caleb is of Expert Stainless Steel, Stainless Steel Experts. Check them out. Like I said, link in the description below or you can Google them. I don't get anything by clicking links, but I like to make it easy for you guys to find people that I really enjoy working with. CNS Vinyl says, in places like Florida, the soil is very sandy, so digging holes is definitely loosens the already loose soil. You have to pack the dirt really well. So one, so Mark Olson's now in Florida, and the video, no, I was going to say the video I reviewed of his, actually it wasn't one of his projects in Florida. It was a, It was someone else's project that he went and installed on and i want it was in one of the southern states i want to say it was in one of the gulf coast states um but probably regardless right probably still sandy soil really loose driving post i'm telling you if you can do it i i would do it and not look back for sure aiden anderson what is up do you ever encounter clients that want things changed halfway through a contract you bet and that's that's why we have change orders um, 
trying to think of an example of where the, this happens more on the commercial side than on the residential side. Um, but it can happen. So it, we can have a gate get added. You know, that can happen. Uh, well, we were doing a walkthrough on a project uh, Thursday for a project we're starting next week. Um, four foot aluminum, three rail. And instead of going straight, they, they had the property survey. When we had done the proposal, the property wasn't surveyed yet. They had the property surveyed. It was a little different. It's going to need an extra corner. But on this project, the other side of the house wasn't, their side property line wasn't as far as they thought. So in this case, it was a wash. But had that not been a wash, it's pretty easy to generate a change order that says, uh, we're going to need to use this much material, X amount of more material, X amount more labor. Some people have a change order fee for changing things in their systems, what have you. It's a simple one-page document that says, here are the additional costs to your project or just the changing cost. So sometimes a customer will deduct. So they'll say, hey, I had three gates in this project. I think I really only need two. No problem at all. I'll generate a change order and I'll send it over to you for your approval. It'll show the difference in price, the deduct in this scenario uh, for you to sign off on. And then once, you, once we get that sign off back, we can proceed uh, with your fence. Basically, what it does is it keeps everyone on the same page of what it's going to cost at the end, right? So we've seen, we've had these problems on both sides, whether with an addition or with a deduction, where we'll have the verbal conversation, say, okay, well, you need to add a gate that's going to add $500 to the project. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, I just really need it. Just go ahead and throw it on. No problem, do it. Then it comes to the end. Broad, you know, the final invoice is $500. I said, well, it didn't take you guys as long to put it in as I thought it would. Are you sure it's going to be $500? I really think it should be $400 more. And it starts like some sort of weird negotiation where it's like, no, we said 500. You agreed 500. It is really 500. Uh, same thing with the deduct. I really thought we should have been deducted more because of the change in footage or changing gates. There's always the, I felt. Like I said, this is more in residential than commercial. Residential deals with feelings a lot, but I really feel like it should it should not be as much, you know, this and that and the other. So change orders are the way on that because in the middle of the process, it makes sure everyone knows this change is worth these dollars or this deduction. So, um, yeah, we do encounter clients that want things changed halfway through, and those are handled with a change order just so everyone's on the same page throughout the whole process on exactly – what it's going to cost at the end. Man, I was just bragging to Justin that everyone's name shows up, and then I'm sorry, but I don't have a name. I thought this was supposed to show me names. It's coming anyway. This is where Team Plus One makes it real. Sean is spot on with this. Absolutely. Take care of your Team Plus One, Sean King's motto. I love it. And Team Plus One can be. You can really incorporate that however you want. Your family plus one, right? Our family's a team. Uh, or our work team plus one. And I like this a lot. I really do. Sean King is spot on. I gave him a shout out in the video because literally it was a Sean King, Matt Warner kind of tag team sayings in my mind where we're taking care of our team plus the community through this beef program. So anyway, Sean King and Matt Warner made it happen on this. CNS says, we hunt a lot. We donate a lot of meat. We also gift meat to customers. Everyone loves it. Absolutely. Uh, so we've got we've got a gifting program with the state of Missouri to where um, you can take, it's mainly for deer, but you can take deer to 
predetermined processors and they'll take it, excuse me, to give out. I think that's great. Guys, if you got questions or comments, drop them in the comments below. Uh, let's see, we are, we're central time. We're about, uh, I don't know, eight minutes to 11. Is that right? Yep, eight minutes to 11 at 12 o'clock. So in one hour, I'm going to give you guys a preview of this week's Week in the Life video. I've watched part of it. I really liked it. So I think you guys are in for a treat. Ken Beck says, hi, Joe. I had to replace some rotten wood fence posts by digging out the concrete. I plan on reusing the old post holes, but they're bigger now. Should I just use more concrete? Yep. Yep. Spot on. So, I mean, that's so when we deal with uh, when we're pulling posts for corners, gate posts, something where that that post cannot move, it has to go right back in that exact spot. That's exactly what we'll do. We'll pull the post. Typically, we'll clean the hole up a little bit because you'll have some loose dirt find its way to the bottom of the hole. Uh, clean the hole up a little bit, reuse same hole with more concrete. Absolutely. CNS Vinyl says, a good idea is to charge a change order fee. You can always waive the fee for the first change, but it'll also help deal with customers who can't make up their mind. That's a fair point. So I haven't crossed that bridge because typically we don't see that as much. Usually it's a change to the project. Um, but you're right. Uh, and because it, so my mind's going to the fee, the waiving the fee. So you could waive fees and then the customer would see that change order fee minus the deduction for the waived fee. But no, my waived fee, you know, each one of these change orders is going to add X dollars to the project. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I, I could see that change order fee. Um, yeah, interesting. So we should I'll talk about that with the team, honestly. But change orders in general are, are a great way to control the conversation, make sure everyone knows exactly what they're getting, and you know both monetarily and in the project, right? So, you know, we've had projects like this where there's several changes mid-project, and at the end of the project, the customer says, "Well, I feel like I really should have seen uh, it should have been different." Well. No, because we got an email from your builder that said that this needed to be changed. So we changed it. Change orders solve for that because somebody's got to sign this change order. And then it's a really easy to say, I have this change order, no, you know, change order number XYZ for this change, this dollar amount. We executed on that. So change orders are a great way to control that narrative. Ken Beck, welcome. Ken Beck says, thanks, Joe. Continued success to you, Ken. To you as well. I appreciate you guys tuning in. All right, guys, we are caught up on comments. So let me know in the comments below if you guys have anything else you'd like to know, any other questions or comments. We've got a little bit of time left today. Not going to run long today because as soon as this is over, now I do like a download and upload. But I get out of here. I'll take a little man, Jackson. Go see Jurassic World Dominion, the newest Jurassic Park. I think this is so cool because, oh, let's see. I was, how old was I? I was in middle school, I suppose, when the first Jurassic Park came out. And uh, so I've watched it, like, growing up, all the different Jurassic Parks, Jurassic Worlds now. Um, I think it's interesting to introduce my kids to the uh, Jurassic Park franchise of movies. Uh, and... I like watching them just as much as he does. So when the new one came out, I was like, hey, uh, I think I need to take Jackson to the movies so that he can see 
uh, the new dinosaur movie, and he needs a chaperone, and I'm willing to take him. I will. I'm. I will go and. Uh, yep. I'm willing to go with him. And I get to see a new Jurassic Park movie, so I'm. I'm pretty stoked on that. But it is a 405 movie or something like that. So as soon as this is done, we're gonna get moving. What is up, Billy Gilbert? Hello. Hi, Joe. Building a four-foot fence around my above-ground pool today to keep the dogs away from it. I'm debating on using concrete. I have sandy soil. What do you think? I would, like, unless you're set up to drive it. And so if... Let's reread. Uh, debating on using concrete. So I assume you're digging the post, right? So if, if, you, if you have a setup for driving it and you have sandy soil, you could just drive the post. And then you'd have a somewhat permanent slash temporary fencing. I mean, you could pull these posts up later on, um, whether with a piece of equipment or whatever. Uh, if they're driven out, you can still do it with concrete. You're just left with uh, large holes in your yard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if the question is, if you're digging the holes and you're talking about recompacting the soil versus using concrete, the long-term solution would be to use concrete. Um, but I hesitate because the ag community has been driving or compacting soil back around the post for generations, right? There's pole builders that will just put chat around the drill hole, set the beams, compact chat around the post, perfectly fine. So there's more than one way to get to the end result, right? But if you're asking me what I would do, concrete. It, it, unless you're wanting it to, you know, Pools are kind of weird because sometimes pools are temporary. But if you're wanting this fence to last several, several years, I would do concrete. It's just a sturdier, stronger fence. The one tool, the one tool that changed your business. Fantastic question. The one tool that changed your business. Tool can be used, the word tool, so it changed our business. All right. So I guess the first tool that, how, in my experience, so here's the thing is our business has been around since 1955. It was my granddad and his brother-in-law that started the company in 55. So the business has had a lot of changes, right? So we, I'm sure there's been a lot of tools, but I'll tell you, probably the tool, and I'm using it in a literal form uh, that has had a massive change, is is going to a mini skid steer or mini skid or Bobcat MT100. Uh, well, we started with a, with a dingo, one of the smaller dingoes. Great piece of equipment. But the Bobcat MT85 and now MT100, they're same machine, but the MT100 comes with a weight pack where the 85, you had to add a weight pack to it. As far as I'm told, that's the only difference between the two. Uh, has really changed how we install fence, uh, the productivity level of installing that fence, because I mean, they're the carrying capacity, the torque as far as drilling. The it's it's two team members, right, on this crew that show up every day, show up on time, ready to work. They don't get sick. They don't. I mean, some required maintenance, right? But. Uh, it's always hard when you say the one, right? But, I mean, if we're talking about taking a crew from five team members down to three, 
with one with one tool it'd be the uh, bobcat for sure um but then you know okay so another tool you asked me about one tool but i think software could also be called a tool it is it's it's a tool we use in the office a lot i could say the same thing about my salesman right so we started off implementing it as a uh i don't know what you'd say an accessory or or an add-on or customers could use it if they wanted to we would still come out and measure and do the do the whole show uh with them uh but if they wanted to they could go into our online or online quote tool and use that uh, we'd also take it to shows with us and use it to provide price estimates or price ranges for clients at a show massive hit um but then when when the pandemic hit and we were not able not allowed to meet face to face in a lot of scenarios uh the quote tool became our mandatory first step uh if you want us to come build your fence you have to start with the quote tool now i understand some folks are technologically challenged no problem we've got some people here that can walk you through it can help you through the whole process either over the phone with a zoom call in person if you feel comfortable coming in you know whatever wherever your comfort level is at uh, and I mean, that's absolutely changed our business also, because now in terms of, I mean, look at the fuel we're saving from not, we were doing four five, six quotes a day, traveling all across town. Now we tried to map them as, as much as possible to where we were being efficient with these miles driven, but we were still putting a tremendous amount of mileage on our vehicles, wear and tear tires are not cheap brakes and all that, uh, which Dan gets a new on the fence industry spot industry podcast. Now they were talking about in terms of how to build these into your overhead, but doing on-site proposals is expensive, time consuming. And I mean, the industry standard on conversions is roughly 30%. So 30 to 35. And I understand some people may be higher. All right. The numbers I've seen say 30 to 35% conversion rate is the industry norm. So every you're going to get three to three and a half of every jobs you go out on, which means six and a half to seven of those projects are going to say no, but you still drove across town, use fuel, you use your time, you put wear and tear on your vehicle anyway. So I would also argue that my salesman changed our business tremendously, especially now that was before fuel prices really hit the roof. I think right now we're paying five forty nine a gallon for diesel. So that adds up in a hurry, let me tell you. So if you're looking at physical tool, I would say the uh, mini skid. If we're talking about digital tool, I would say my salesman. But there's others too. Anyway, okay. Billy says, thanks for the live stream. You're very welcome. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy interacting with you guys on a weekly basis as much as possible. I say that because sometimes I'm not in town or this show... So two weeks ago, my middle sister got married. So we weren't live for them. But when we are live, I enjoy it because I get to interact with you guys. I appreciate you guys showing up. Chris Steele says, Fence fam? Chris Steele, what is up? What in the high steel is going on down in Florida? Billy Gilbert says, the movie is killer. Ah, huh? I hear you. I, not wrong. Not wrong. Just in the previews I've seen, there's three different people that get eaten, so not wrong. Uh, Billy says, my son's 11, and we went a couple weeks ago. So I waited till so my son's four. So we wait. I waited till a few of my friends have gone and seen it. 
to kind of report back on like where's this movie at in terms of like taking a four-year-old to see it in a theater versus just waiting for it to come out and we can watch it at the house um and we're kind of doing it in the middle we're going to the digital theater not the 3d imax just to uh you know keep thing keep the situation in control but i've heard it is fantastic we actually this morning when uh when i woke up little man was already up and he wanted to watch previews he is jacked about this movie so we while we spent probably 15 20 minutes just watching trailers for it on youtube it looks phenomenal okay so bill billy says i'm not set up for driving then i i would use concrete i would use concrete i would um when your other options are going to be compacting the soil back uh they're going to be like compacting some sort of stone chat etc um i would use concrete it's a it's a longer lasting solution for you billy says sounds good joe thank you billy you're welcome cna smile says kubota scl 1000 is our newest edition very good let's look this piece of machinery up real quick and see what this is um all right do this let's try to share well yeah we can try to share a all check this thing out together a chrome tab new tab all right what, what do we call this thing i'm gonna have to just copy this kubota scl 1000 let's see what this thing is if i can spell probably be better if i actually shared the screen with you guys all right this make a little bit bigger okay all right so it is the compact skid loader nice i honestly didn't know kubota made one now i'm regretting that because obviously it comes in orange how did I not know this thing existed? What? What is going on? This thing looks amazing. I mean, obviously, it's got good height, right? I'm sure. Does it come in a wide track variety? So all of these I'm seeing look like narrow track. Could be wrong. But yeah, this, this one might be a wide track. Yeah, it probably looks like a wide track. Interesting. Very cool. You get buckets. You can... Is that? Oh, it's a grapple. Nice. Get all sorts of cool toys for it. Very sharp. Well, I can tell you what uh, Ozark Fence will be looking into once uh, once we're looking for another piece of equipment. I did not know this was a thing. This Kubota SCL 1000, because it comes in orange. I, I would assume the spec sheet is probably similar. I mean, if you're looking at the uh, Dingo 1000, the, you know, the, the MT-100, the uh, Vermeer has one, Kubota obviously has one, we're finding out. Uh, the spec sheets are all fairly comparable, right? So, and you get guys that have, they have their piece of equipment that they they are it's like the ford chevy thing 
right? Like they want a Vermeer. Now, Vermeer is a great piece of equipment. We demoed one when we were in the buying stage or the research stage of the buying process. And it might have been, I've talked to guys about this. It might have been the piece of equipment we had, but the controls seemed twitchy in that it didn't take much to move this thing around. And my mind was thinking at 6 a.m. on a wet morning, it might be easier, you know, with a guy that's a little groggy because so we would be just sending this out with a crew, right? So would I want to put in a crew member in a position where they could roll this thing off a trailer, which obviously could happen with any piece of equipment, but I don't know. I got nervous about it just because the one we demoed was really twitchy and I wanted something that was a little bit more predictable on exactly where it's going to go. Now, the Vermeer is a quicker piece of equipment because of that. But we we were okay sacrificing a little bit of the speed. We, we didn't sacrifice maneuverability. It still maneuvers roughly the same. But I don't know. I just, the Bobcat controls made sense to me. I like the fact that you can use full Bobcat and attachments, whereas like with the Dingo, you would have to use Dingo attachments. I don't know. If we need to rent a piece of an attachment for, you know, either our attachment went down or what have you, uh, we've got Bobcat dealerships in rental places kind of all throughout the Midwest that we, where we could pull one from. That's how we made our decision. Um, but anyway, I say all that to say they're all roughly the same. We kind of like Bobcat, but we do have a Kubota dealer and we will likely be talking with the Kubota dealer whenever we're ready to either add a piece of equipment we won't be replacing this one anytime soon. We bought it last year new, so I think it's got a lot of years left on it. But it's not orange. It's white with orange lettering, but it's not Kubota orange. So, anyway, CNS, appreciate you letting me know uh, about the SCL 1000. It looks like a sharp piece of equipment. I expected software as your answer, but was looking for something using the field. Thanks for both answers. You're welcome. I mean, it it's always hard to like put your finger on one thing, right? Because also, you know, just in terms of software, I could also talk about the CRM, you know, uh, now, now it seems like everyone's kind of caught on to job Nimbus and is using job Nimbus. Uh, we've used it for a lot of years uh, and I think it does really well for us. Now it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a task getting it set up and created. Um, uh, had someone uh, drop in they're cruising through Springfield on their way to somewhere else and stopped in and we we're chatting about it. And, and they were talking about how, um, how intense it is to get it set up job Nimbus. Uh, but once you get it set up, it works pretty slick. I mean, I mean, Dan Blanc, you look at all the automations he's able to use with it. I mean, it, he makes the software do some pretty fancy stuff so you can make it, you can make it really whatever you want, right? It can be as simple or as complicated as you want to make it, but the learning curve is a little bit steep. Anyway, it's hard to just put your finger on one thing. And he says, without counting yourself, who's on your Mount Rushmore in your industry? This question's hard. Because if I leave anybody out on accident, that's a thing. I'm going to assume I can put however many people on this Mount Rushmore as I want. 
not just a handful. Uh, all right. Matt Warner. Tony Thornton. Tony, if you don't know Tony, you know Tony. Um, I mean, I would put I would put the social media guys on this mount just because um, I think we're all kind of pitching in to try to help everything move forward. See, the problem with this question is you're going to get answers of the people that are most visible in the industry, right? So, I mean, that's immediately where my head went. Matt Warner, Tony Thornton, just because they are influential to me as a person, uh, as a professional. I, I view both of these gentlemen as my mentors. Um, I mean, but like I said, you also have the Mark Olsons, the Danny Cannons, the Dan Wheelers, the Mark Olsons, the, the guys that are that are in front of a camera or on a podcast um, trying to push this industry forward. They have a lot of publicity, a lot of not publicity, but they're out in the public eye quite a lot. But I think there's a real argument for, you know, that there's guys behind the scenes that and gals that none of us know about or have rarely heard about. Uh, that are having a massive impact on the industry too. Um, is that a bit of a, a, a safe political answer? You bet. Of course it is, right? But I don't know. I don't know. I'm willing to hear feedback, guys. What do you guys think? Mount Rushmore of the fencing industry? Who do you guys think? Kenny, I'll, I'll put the question to you on the staining and sealing. Uh, who's on the Mount Rushmore of staining and sealing? Now, you said you, you can't answer you, but I'll put you on that mount. Um, Caleb, obviously, Caleb and Ashley. I think both of them deserve faces on the mountain. Um, Walt Dennis is a giant in the industry. Um, I don't know. It's always hard when we start naming names, though, because there's guys, there's guys that deserve credit that aren't, for one reason or another, a lot of them aren't comfortable with getting publicity and being on the public side of the industry. Right. I don't know. Always a hard, always a hard question. Terrence says, I see a purchase of something orange coming soon. Listen, there's always a purchase of something orange coming soon, no matter what it is we're talking about. Uh, that's kind of the joke around here is like the easiest way to sell us anything is to make it orange and put it on my desk. I mean, literally, that's a pretty good way of selling us something. Is it in orange? I mean, that's two pretty good examples. Favorite pin. And actually, this pin was a gift. Um, probably going to be hard to come out. Yeah, it's going to be almost impossible for you guys to see. Uh, it says, the fence guy with the Ozark fence logo. This is a, it's a gift from a friend of ours. Thank you, thank you. And then, uh, yeah, an orange knife. This was a buddy of mine has a gun shop said, hey, I've got these Microtech knives. I think they're pretty slick. And, oh, by the way, did I tell you there's one that's orange and I left one on your desk? Just check it out. See if you like it. If if you don't like it, let me know. I'll come pick it up. But if if you do, you can, you know, Venmo me some money. So we Venmoed him some money. Or I Venmoed him some money. So anyway, like I say, easiest way to sell us anything is orange. The pins that we give out that we use here at the office, obviously orange. Now, this goes to show, like, what are the animals? Is it squirrels? No. There's animals that collect things by color. Uh, they just, they're like, not pack rats, but you get what I mean. They, they if they stick with a color, they'll go collect all the things that are that color and they'll keep them in their nest. So we have this particular orange pin. 
And this is a Gregory's Fence Index orange pen. It is here solely because it's orange. I grabbed an orange pen to write something up here, I am sure. And it stuck. Uh, XLR cables, orange. Watch band, orange. So I actually bought this watch because it has the orange hand on it. So, uh, yeah, th there's always a purchase of something orange on the horizon of those arc fence, but those machines do look pretty slick. Uh, start. Huh, okay. Well, maybe not started and stopped production in 2020. They've been slow on production. It's the, it's the first many they offered. So typically, yeah, typically the first of anything, um, it never goes as planned. Right. So the first, you never want to buy the first model year on a new car. Right, or a new concept car or whatever. They're going to be bumps in the road. They're going to figure some things out. So maybe maybe we let this Bobcat run for a few years and have a have a few good years in it before we start looking at, uh, at bringing on the Kubota. Uh, pretty much everyone buys depending on dealership location. The Kubota is a little smoother and faster with the up and down movements and everything else in this class. Definitely worth demoing. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense to buy something that that isn't easily maintained in your area that you can't get parts for. I mean, that, that was one of the selling points of the uh, Bobcat is that, I mean, there, it seems like there's Bobcat dealerships everywhere to where we can get, luckily on this one, we haven't, we had to get some seals. We haven't had to, we haven't had to do much on it. It's also, it's mainly like wear and tear items, like mainly the hydraulic seals, um, the hose seals and all that. Um, but those were as easy as sending a guy over to the, parts department and just picking them up um the the dingo they have authorized uh, authorized shops that do the service on them uh but they don't there's no like toro dealership or anything here and the problem is the guys that service there's a couple authorized service centers here but they're both just slammed and covered up we could never get it in for service uh finding parts on them was a bit difficult because neither one of these places stock a wide variety of parts. We had an older machine, so they would stock the new parts for whatever current machine was out, but they wouldn't stock the parts for our machine. They'd have to order them. I mean, in today's day and age, on with technology, we could go order them. Um, it was, I don't know, it was a bit of a process. With Bobcat, we've got a dealership that has a parts department that keeps like a million and one different fittings in stock. So, but you're right. I mean, it comes down to dealership location. Bob Burton with Polyvinyl Creations gave us a big jump start in the business. That's what I mean. Like, there's guys and gals out there that I don't want to say no one has heard of. They're obviously they're obviously known, but they don't enjoy the limelight, right? They don't enjoy being uh, on the public-facing side of the conversation. But arguably, they probably have a a bigger impact than some of the people that we would put on this mountain, right? Because you put the people on the mountain that you're familiar with and you're used to seeing and that you correlate to success in the industry. Um, but there's, there's a lot of guys working behind the fence or behind the fence. Yeah, that seems applicable, but uh, behind the scenes uh, that, that are probably doing more for the industry, you know, at, at fence tech 22 this year. Yeah. Cause we did the what's new in 22 uh, fence tech 22. Uh, I met, I met, several several guys that very influential in the industry and i mean you can see them mentioned in you know the the 
industry publications. You could see them mentioned on the Facebook groups, but, uh, but when it came down to, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you on the record. And as part of our, you know, fence story documentation process, um, they, they weren't super comfortable with that. Now they were willing to, but I don't want, I don't want anyone to sit down and share their story with me that isn't fully comfortable because I think that's going to come out in, in the video. And I don't think that's something that they would be happy with. I mean, ultimately, I mean, we're here to document the stories, why people got into the industry, you know, why they remain in the industry, what they're hoping to propel the industry to that sort of thing. Um, but we ultimately want them to be happy with it too. You know, I mean, this is them sharing their story and, and putting it out for the world to see. So, uh, they weren't super comfortable. They were okay with being in front of a camera, um, but they weren't super comfortable. Anyway, there's some big names out there doing big things for the industry that that don't want to be part of the public conversation, which is fair. It's absolutely, it's everyone's choice. So anyway, uh, Bob Burton sounds like one of these, one of these folks that obviously he had a massive impact on CNS vinyls uh, trajectory in the industry. So his locations of Florida, Georgia, North Carolina. Surprised he isn't more well known. See, this is this is exactly it, right? So this is illustrates the point. So he has multi-state, obviously multiple locations, which is something that I don't. So when you talk about, so this is a conversation I was having. So we at Ozark Fence, we recently brought on a CFO uh, to really to really be responsible for the finances of Ozark Fence so that we can set ourselves up for generations of success, right? Like I, I found us success year on year it you know, decades of success, hopefully in the future, but what are we setting ourselves up for generations of success, right? So that when Jackson, who is now four comes into a thriving business and has it available to buy, because let's be honest, my dad bought it from his dad. I bought it from my dad. I would love to sell it to him, but we're not talking about handouts here. But what are we doing to where he has a healthy business to buy, right? Um, so the CFO, but that was one of the questions the CFO had was, you know, what are your what are your goals? Are you going to fran? Do you want to franchise? Like this particular gentleman has helped uh, service industries franchise. They found success through the franchise method. But you know, I don't know. I don't think so. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that method work super well in the past. Um, maybe that's due to poor execution. I don't know, but uh, you don't see a lot of, well, I almost said you don't see a lot of fence companies with more than two or three locations. You see, there's quite a few that have several locations, but, but as I say that the, you know, the, the superior comes up, the Seeger comes up, the, I mean, there's, uh, there's companies that have multiple, multiple locations, right? So that's probably not an accurate statement. Um, but far more often you see companies with one location, one or two locations, rather than uh, companies that have, I don't know, I don't know what the delineation there is, but more than five locations, maybe. Um, so in, in our conversation, I told him, I, I don't want, I mean, I'm not, never say never, but that's not on my list of priorities in the next 10 years is to talk about any sort of franchise model because I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen, well, I don't know. That's not fair to say. I was going to say, I haven't seen it be successful, but uh, obviously there are several companies that have made it incredibly successful. So 
I don't know. But there's guys that can pull it off, quite obviously. Um, I mean, Seegers comes to mind. They're they're big up and down the eastern seaboard. And the, the guys I've met from Seegers are legitimately really good people. Um, I don't know. So I guess it is possible. But these are the people that are behind the scenes that are propelling the fence industry that don't want to be on the public facing. This is all a part of the conversation on who's on the Mount Rushmore fence. I don't know. Like I for if if I had to narrow it down, I mean, like I said, Matt Warner, uh, Tony Thornton would be on there, um, and then I go to you know guys that you know Sean King is obviously having a a large impact on the training side of the industry, uh, so he would he deserves a spot up there. Um, but like I said, there's other guys. It's it's not a fair conversation because you know there's a lot of guys that are deserve to be up there but as i say that there's probably guys that deserve to be on mount rushmore too that aren't so i don't know thanks kenny for the great question now it's got my mind twisted in pretzels what is up fellow joe good morning from southeast texas good morning fellow joe cns says his daughter jessica is taking over it was a rough at first but she's killing it now they have been our distributor for 22 years fantastic um, I really, I mean, this is a whole conversation, but I really, uh, think our industry is going to be better for having more ladies in leadership roles within the industry. Um, this is a conversation I've had with several people, uh, on the national scale, uh, in regards to, you know, highlighting the, the female perspective of the fencing industry, um, I, so my sister Sarah obviously runs our residential division. Just is a phenomenal, phenomenal addition to our team. And you see, well, so San Seal Experts obviously has a lot of ladies in the office that are doing a fantastic job, phenomenal job. And that's, I think, I think we're better for it. And I think as we continue, as this continues to become the norm, I think we're going to be, as an industry, going to be significantly better for it. So. Congratulations, Jessica. Much continued success. Uh, Keith says, agree with your answer to the modern uh, Mount Rushmore. I've been researching who started things off, like Joe Glutton or... Do you say these names just to make me say them, try to get me to say them? I'll try it. Quinn uh, Shi Huang? Mm, I don't know if that's probably... I probably butchered it. I mean, that's the thing is I don't – Kenny, what are you doing to me, honestly? I mean, you, you couldn't have said, like, Joe Smith or – no, got it. Kenny, you still haven't told me who's on your – well, I guess this – you did. Uh, who to start things off? Or, who's on your Mount Rushmore, Kenny? That's what I'm asking you right now. Mount Rushmore. All right, guys. Uh, we are still about half an hour from uh, watching the Week in the Life Video for this week, the submission is going to be up later this afternoon. How are you guys liking those? I love them, and my team loves them, loves being a part of them, so I love them that much more because my team gets joy out of it. Um, I mean, they're doing well view-wise, too, so I don't know. I'd like to hear feedback from you guys while we're here chatting about it is, what do you think? How's it going? What would you – here's a question. What would you like to see done differently? I think that's a fair question, and it's this content only gets better from here with more interaction from you guys. 
Keen Dugan says, guy who invented barbed wire and guy who built the Great Wall of China. Fair. That's fair. I probably should have known that. Thank you, Kenny, for the education. So Joe Glyden invented barbed wire. So I was looking at, where was I? I don't even know where I was. Or maybe, I actually, I saw this online, uh, probably in one of the Fence Facebook groups. It was a it was wall art. It was a board of the different barbed wire, like the different forms of barbed wire. It that is a whole lot. Like I'm not, we don't do a lot of ag fence. Um, we do hardly any ag fence actually, just because of the region that we're in. Um, barbed wire is a crazy conversation because there are, I mean, modern day. There's not a lot of option, right? You've got barb no barb you've got high tensile you you've got some options but this board had like a dozen different types of barbed wire depending on what part of the country i mean they're twisted differently some have two barbs some have four barbs some had these raised it it almost looked like old time like barbed wire had what looked like they weren't razors but had some really wide barbs on it really wild thing to see um Barbed wire is a really interesting conversation. CNS says, do you create media content for training purposes for the team? You bet. So Loom, we really like using Loom. Um, so Sarah would probably be better to speak on this than I, I would. She does a lot more of the team training. I always get crazy about are my hats square and straight on my head. Um, so we do. We do uh, a lot of it on Loom. So Loom, not a sponsor, but um, it lets us share the screen that we're working on. So we do a lot of this internally on, in the office in terms of how do we, what do we want to see on an invoice? How do we want expenses categorized? How do we, how do we submit locate tickets? Document all of this via Loom. Um, but we're also working on shooting video content for like field training stuff too, as well. Uh, just because it can, it can live indefinitely on our servers or we could upload it if we wanted to. Um, but yes, to answer your question, uh, I think it's a great way of training and, and having repeatable processes. I mean, I work so in, uh, let me, I'm trying to think. So my daughter was born in 08. So this would have been 07. Uh, during the housing crisis, I took on a second job at um, at Lowe's. And Lowe's is really good at, at uh, oh, they've got processes. And they've got a computer training system, but they've also got, well, when, they, when I was there, they also had binders, just like training manuals and reference manuals for, I mean, everything down to dusting the floors. Right. You, we use this compound. This is how we sweep it. This is what we do with it. Once we sweep it, this is how we dispose of it. This is how we dispose of the trash bags that it's disposed in the whole thing. Um, so now we can take these thick manuals and we can turn them into digital training that we can keep up to date, which is something we're working on building out. I mean, there's platforms for this. Uh, again, not sponsored, but Trainual seems like a really good one for creating uh, training processes and so you can have different modules that you can keep up to date so you know if we're talking about if we're talking about locates 
uh, here's how we file the online locate ticket or the online yeah locate tickets whatever we're, whatever they're called now but um, the digital version of 811 uh, here's how we do it but next week if Missouri one call decides to change their system we can then shoot a new one video on this process and then plug it into that particular module in Trainual without having to redo the entire thing. Now, over time, you would probably want to redo the entire module or entire objective or whatever. Um, yeah, do we, <laughs> really long answer. Do you create media content for training purposes for a team? Yes, absolutely. We've got all the, all, actually, yeah. so we've got all of the equipment here to create media content, uh, both in the camera and the lights and the audio stuff. Uh, so part of this week's Week in the Life video is now we're building, we're rebuilding the uh, Ozark Fans YouTube page. So it's Sarah doing some of the content there, but not really what your, what your question was, training purposes, but yeah, we, we've got all this media equipment. We might as well use it, but it's good use. Kenny says, I like your answer, though, because it gives us other people to get different views and perspectives from. Yeah, so, okay. It, yeah, I think one, I think one of the, as I'm sitting here, think, I appreciate the question because it makes us think, right? Um, so I said I didn't take the stories of the people that didn't feel comfortable because I want them to feel comfortable, right? Because I feel like they'll give a, um, a better representation of themselves and their history if they're comfortable. But then also, you know, do we lose that story though if like a meteor falls from space and unfortunately takes them away from us, the industry? Um, I don't know. Different views and perspectives from. You're right. Okay. Reconsidering now. What is up, Matt? The OG making week in the life is fun. We do need more feedback so we can shoot more content that people would want to see. Don't be shy. Any good ideas? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, we shot some content, uh, well, last Saturday. Um, that I always get the content schedule like uh, confused in my mind, but I think last week's content will probably be up in two weeks. But we shot a walkthrough of Ozark Fence. Uh, Saturdays are great for that because we can just kind of walk end to end, corner to corner in this whole place without disturbing anybody or messing up anyone's workflow. Uh, based, we did that based on questions and comments from you guys. We also outlined basically like an overview of what it looks like for us to ship a an order from our e-commerce fulfillment. Uh, again, kind of an overview. I mean, there was we showed pulling the fittings that were already heat shrinked uh, because it takes like 45 minutes to warm up the heat shrinking machine. So we're going to create that content at a later date. But uh, but yeah, so someone had asked, what does it look like when I place an order with you? What does it look like on the back end before it gets sent to me? So we created that content. Questions and comments are always an incredibly good way for us to produce content that you guys would want to see. Matt? Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, CNS says, that's what I'm thinking. One video equals everyone getting the same education, right? Exactly. And like I say, you can update that one. You can, you could have one answer, right? So sometimes in training, I will train someone and then they will train others. And then those people will then train other people. Just 
This is a cycle. But it also gets back to that game of telephone that we played in school in, you know, the, the message could start out as the elephant is blue and then come out as I love pepperoni pizza. Right. Like it's the, the telephone game never worked. Uh, and so I think trainings could go like that. Right. So as people add their own opinions and their own experience into the training process, that training process could change over time. Whereas using marketing, using media, using digital means, we can have one process that can be repeated for everyone. And we could, I mean, it could be replayed and repeated over and over. And like I said, kept current also. So, but you're right. Everyone getting the same education. I think that is hugely important. I mean, it leads to processes being repeated in the same way over and over, ultimately to a better client experience. Joe said, DNJ Project said pretty much the same thing about using their weekly YouTube videos for training people to use their machines. Absolutely. I love it. If you guys aren't watching DNJ Projects, you guys should check them out. These guys are doing tremendous work. They're over in the UK. I am still actively figuring out a way uh, to get myself over there to meet those guys in person because they are giants in the industry over there. Absolutely. What's up, Stevie? Good evening, Joe. Good evening, Stevie. Feels weird to say when here in the States, it's uh, about 1130. But good evening. Hope your weekend is going very well. Uh, Sherry says, I'm still trying to get a solid building foundation, but I see different things from different people. Yeah, hard to know who's what is actually the best way to do everything. What resources do you recommend? There, I don't know... There isn't a best way, right? There isn't one way that is the best way for everything, right? Because what a lot, of, what we're finding out a lot via this social media and talking to people from other parts of our country and other parts of the world, i.e., watching the DNJ projects over in the UK, over in Nottingham, you see that there are different ways of accomplishing the same task with great results right so they use different so again use just because they came up recently dnj projects obviously they build fence differently using different building materials so they'll use predominantly now i made the mistake of saying this is how the uk builds fence and i was quickly reminded that no actually that's not how the entire uk builds fence all right so different regions of different all right they use concrete posts and concrete, what we would call kickboards. Uh, in the southern United States, they'll use uh, treated pine kickboards, cedar pickets to provide a barrier from the soil up to the cedar boards, kind of the uh, sacrificial layer, really. Well, so so DNJ Projects, based in Nottingham, uses a concrete. They they term them gravel boards, which makes sense because you can place landscape gravel against them. Okay. But concrete posts, concrete gravel boards, and then uh, I need to do another review video. So the overhead view of this post, if you're from a bird's eye view looking down, it's an H post. So it's got two channels running vertically down the post that you basically just slide the fence panels down in. I hope that makes sense. Uh, 
great system. And the concrete is rebar reinforced, leads to great longevity in ultimately a really wet environment. So if you think we have issues with rot and decay, think about a place that gets a tremendous amount of rain year round. They obviously have more of it to deal with. Um, so your question, hard to know what is actually the best way to do everything. The best way is the way that gets you solid results that can be repeated in your business. Now, as a new business or, or a business that hasn't started yet, you said you're still building a solid foundation. How do you know? Right. And, and I understand. I absolutely hear the voice that this is coming from saying, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to build a solid foundation to build this business on. I need to know the best way to do everything. It's going to depend on your business and on your region, right? So the best way of finding your best way is to try a lot of the different ones and find what works out best for you or, or what you see as being the most efficient result or the uh, best finish or the, be the best end results, right? Um, what resources do you recommend? As far as fencing, the AFA is an incredible resource. Um, there are there are others out there. The uh, FWA Fence Workers Association is a good one to look into. NAFCA, North America Fencing Contractors Association, also a good one. Um, you often talk about you'll, you'll often talk to guys who are members of all three. Again, because we're all trying to figure out the best way. Case in point. So, as I said, our family's been building fence since 1955. I learned from my dad, who learned from his dad. My dad spent the bulk of his life here. Uh, now, I say the bulk of his life. I was actually born out in North Carolina when my dad was executive director for a company called United Cerebral Palsy. Anyway, he took some time to, uh, to work in the corporate field. I spent my whole life here, meaning that, well, I say my whole life. So... I probably, probably started around 12, which I know I started when I was 12 because it was the summer between fifth grade and sixth grade. So between everyone does this differently in our area, that's the difference. So we have elementary school, which is K through five. We have middle school, which is six, seven, eight. We have high school, which is nine through 12. And then you graduate high school at 12th grade. And then you go on to, um, uh, university or, or college, whatever, or trade. Okay. This is summer between elementary and middle school. I started working with my dad. Um, and this is a point of contention at my particular household because, so my daughter works with us now. Uh, when she's with us, when she's not at her mom's house, when she's with us, she'll come in, she'll work in fulfillment and e-commerce, helping, you know, heat shrink fittings or box orders or pull orders to be fit box. Anyway, um, she's 13 and she she's kind of giving us a little bit of flack for having to work at 13 and hey i tell her this is missouri is an at-will state you don't have to work you can choose to work when you you can choose not to work with us like you're not contracted to work here um but i also told her you got a year off you know i, I started summer between you know fifth and sixth grade uh which actually well so our birthdays are different uh, she's going into eighth grade. So technically she got two years off. She's summer between seventh and eighth. I started summer between fifth and sixth. So anyway, 
still trying to figure this out is the point. Sorry, Jeremy, bring this all around about. So we've been building fences since 1955 and I could show you my way, but I'm still learning from others and trying to improve how we do it. Right. So when you say it's hard to know what it's actually the best way to do everything, I agree. And we're still trying to figure out what the best way to do everything is. So don't feel like that's holding you back or that that should hold you back. Uh, I would say jump into it and figure out what works best for you. Um, but as far as resources, I would check out the the main three associations, the AFA, NAFCA, FWA, in no particular order. Um, they're both kind of, or all three kind of doing uh, similar things and trying to help contractors build the foundation you're looking to build. Hope that helps. Steve says, uh, Steve says, Dave and Stevie White, two top guys. Absolutely. DNJ Projects are Dave and Stevie White. So there's... <laughs> There's a funny story about this. Um, so uh, speaking of my daughter, Macy, she was up here. And um, this was, ah, this might have been a year ago. So she was probably 12. Anyway, she was here when I did a live Q&A with DHA Projects. We probably ought to do another one of those again. Uh, we haven't done one in a while. Anyway, so we went to lunch afterwards. And, um, and I could see where the thought process came from. Because sometimes in different countries, words are spelled differently. For instance, the word color. Here in the United States, we would spell that C-O-L-O-R. Other places, that may be spelled C-O-L-O-U-R. Okay. Different spellings for different regions. Um, some, some names have silent letters and all that. Anyway, she said, hey, Dad, the two guys you were talking to, where are they from again? I said, well, they're from uh, the United Kingdom across across the pond as, you know, over near Europe. She goes, so uh, over there, I guess Stevie has a, a silent J in it. Huh? No, no silent J. She's like, yeah, it's D and J. So I assume that Stevie starts with a silent J is is Dave and Stevie. So it's D and silent J. I found this way funnier than it probably actually was. So I shot a video and I WhatsApped it over to over to Dave and Stevie. Anyway, had a good bit of a laugh about that one. Speaking of our UK fans, Martin. How are you? Hey, Joe, checking in from Durham, UK. Welcome, Martin. I hope I said that right. I hope Durham. So uh, we've got uh, we've got a city in North Carolina near where I was born uh, called Durham. Uh, we've actually, which has a baseball team called the Durham Bulls. I don't know. Weird history. Not. It's not even history. Anyway. Joe says, I started carrying shingles up ladders at 12 in Houston in 1976. A lifetime ago. Talk about character building. That, that was how I was always sold on this, was build good character. Good character building exercise. Carrying shingles up ladders was probably fantastic for your character because typically the worst work built the best character is how they tried to, you know, sell this to us. Um, so I bet that built tremendous character. <laughs> uh, 
Brandon Looney Tunes fan 2000 says, hey, what's up, Doc? What's up, Brandon Looney Tunes fan 2000? I love that name so much. And the uh, the thumbnail there is absolutely fantastic. Said, I just subscribed. Thank you. Appreciate it. I appreciate all you guys that subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, if you would mind considering, that does, in, that in fact, help the channel. Brandon says, a new year. Welcome, Brandon. You're amongst the Fence fam. We accept all in the Fence fam. Stevie says, that's all, folks. Don't don't say goodbye to him so fast. Let him. He's here. Let him stay. Joe says, my knees hate me now, though. So, talking about carrying shingles up ladders when he was 12. I I bet they do. I bet they do. My knees don't love me. Uh, just I played football in school. Also played baseball as a catcher for a while. These are not. Oh, excuse me. These are not in fantastic shape, but they keep on plugging along. But I bet, yeah, carrying shingles up a ladder, I can see how that would be really rough on the knees. Yeah, okay, great point again. Favorite versus favorite. Both, well, okay. I was getting ready to say both pronounce the same. I'm not 100% sure of that. I assume they would be pronounced favorite. Favorite. Looks like they would be spelled the same or pronounced the same while spelled different. I don't know. All right, guys, we are 10 minutes away from noon. From show, Let me start getting everything connected to show you guys. We'll stop that screen share. We will start a new screen share. Great content. I know. We are checking the box that says share tab audio. That way you guys can hear it. We've learned things. We've learned things. Even though I'm a fence guy that is learning how to do technology, I am indeed learning how to do technology. So this should have the audio plugged in. Hey, I haven't heard, I haven't seen anybody in here. Well, actually, I say that. CNS told us how they're spending their uh, 4th of July weekend, their Independence Day weekend. How are you guys spending your Independence Day weekend? Uh, those of you in the UK may call this Treason Day. I've seen that meme float around. Hilarious. Um, how are you guys spending your 4th of July weekend? The Independence Day weekend for the United States. How are you guys spending it? So for us... Let's see what is on. So Jackson and I, as I said, are going to go see Jurassic World Dominion tonight. We went and bought our fireworks yesterday. Holy cow. You know, talk about second mortgage. But um, actually, I say that the retail price on this stuff is pretty high. I have a friend who uh, they they have a fireworks stand. So a little bit of a deal. Uh, actually, he became friends. So his daughter played softball with my daughter. Anyway. Uh, but looking at retail pricing on fireworks, holy cow, it, they are expensive. It is an investment that goes up in about, you know, 20 minutes or so, but it's a good time and it's helping local folks out. So, okay. Makes sense. Uh, let's see, we bought fireworks last night. We doing this show, obviously right now, Jackson and I, after this, we're seeing, Jurassic World Dominion, and then tomorrow, Sunday. Oh, so Taylor has family in from out of state, both uh, uh, Wisconsin and, oh, man. Used to be Virginia, but I think now Georgia. 
I should know this. We went out there. Well, so, all right, let's think this through. We flew in. I flew into, yeah, pretty sure they're in for, Anyway, out-of-town family is here in town this weekend, so we're going there to Sunday. Going to blow up some fireworks in a safe and orderly manner. And then uh, Monday, I think we're headed down to the lake to spend the day with my family. I don't know if we're going to hang out to fireworks just because Tuesday is a work day. So I don't know if we want to fire fireworks off to midnight, then turn around, drive 45 minutes home and, you know, wake up at six the next morning. That probably does not sound like a recipe for success, but I don't know. What are you guys doing on 4th of July weekend? So DNJ was Dave and Jamie, who is Stevie's cousin, who is no longer works with the company. Absolutely. So I should I should have started there, but I just thought the I thought the story was funny because, like you said, Macy was just convinced that uh, for whatever reason, um, abroad uh, Stevie was spelled with a silent J at the beginning. I thought that was, like I said, at funnier than it probably actually is. But the way she had said it. She was just, it was like she had caught on to a revelation. She had found a revelation, made a revelation. She had found a secret. She's like, ah, Stevia spelled with a silent J. <laughs> huh? <laughs> no, no, not that I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Martin says, give me a visa and I'd be over the, over the States doing fence tomorrow. I, Unfortunately, I do not have any visa powers or controls. Uh, actually, my passport is expired, so I, whatever that's worth. I have no power over anything, even my own status. I need to get my passport renewed. Anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with it. That just, anyway, okay. Michael says, my favorite place in Missouri is Boomland. Not bad, not bad. So we go to Whizbang. Uh, these places have such great names, but Whizbang uh, in Republic. So, and actually, they're in Republic, uh, Mount Vernon, and Clever now. So, taking over the uh, firework world. Uh, no, so we used to live behind, or live behind. The used to live behind us is of the Hales family. Uh, so, she had quite the connection with Hales Fireworks. Um, Boomland, not bad, not bad at all. So for whatever reason, Missouri, we've got quite a few uh, manu- fire, like firework manufacturers. Uh, we've got at least two, at least two manufacturers. Each year, I tell myself, you know what you should do? You should get your license. Because if you get your license, you can go get some big boy fireworks for and. So I've got a friend who has a license that does that does shows, um, but he can go get the big boy fireworks, and it doesn't sound like they're. Uh, some of them are same price, some of them are lower price, because if you think about it, they're going from a manufacturer to a distributor to a firework tent. There's some profit there in the middle, so by going straight to the manufacturer, typically you can get a better deal. Um, each year, I talk about doing that. And then next thing you know, it is, you know, July 1st, and I haven't done it yet. And I'm like, well, uh, probably can't get it in the next couple of days. And if I could, they'd probably be sold out. So 
you know what I ought to do next year? I ought to get my firework license so I can go get big boy fireworks and do like a big team show. I think that would be cool. Like do so a friend of mine uh, has a company. They do a big Memorial Day party for their company, uh, their team members, team members, family. They do a big cookout. They do they've brought bounce houses out, stuff like that uh, as like a kickoff to summer sort of thing. I think we need to do like a uh, like a Fourth of July party or. Or maybe the weekend before, because Fourth of July weekend is always kind of hectic. But the weekend before, weekend after, do like a big like team outing. Oh, actually, so since my sister recently bought my granddad's place, we've got the perfect place for a bit of a firework firework show. This is all coming together. This is all coming together. So next year, firework license, big boy fireworks, company party out of my sister's place. Haven't cleared that any of that with her, but I'm sure, sure it'll be fine. And we'll take some of the beef, do a big cookout, steak cookout. So, what did you and Jackson scoop? Snakes, sparklers, bottle rockets? Were they costly this year? They were. So, um, all right, snakes. Yes, snakes are like for a four year old must buy firework for kids. Uh, Sparklers, yes. So, sparklers. There's. Eh. I was going to say, I should have brought them up to show you why would I have done that because I didn't know we were going to talk about fireworks. But they're actually out in the truck. Nobody stopped by and set them off, though. Um, they're like glow. They say glow-in-the-dark sparklers. I don't think they really glow-in-the-dark. But for the price we got them last year, we ended up going back and buying out. They had like a box left. We bought the box to let the kids do these things. So, they're not. Like the metal ones, that metal can get super hot and burn their hands. Not that, uh, but they are, you know, they are pretty. The kids enjoy them and all that. Glow-in-the-dark sparklers. If you can find those, get those. Uh, bottle rockets, yeah. So we got some, uh, what are they called? Moon moon whistlers or moon shots or moon something or other. Um, just for the daytime, let the kids, you know shoot some stuff off um they were costly like even um even with the buddy discount um it i say they were expensive i every year i think they're expensive like i i never i guess understood the money my dad spent on fireworks when we would go down the lake and shoot fireworks off for fourth of july until i started buying my own i'm like these things are really expensive for like 20 minutes of an entertainment this is like cost per minute is pretty high when it comes to fireworks. Um, what else did we get? We got okay, Jackson's into dinosaurs, so which I think that's like a common boy thing. So they've got plastic dinosaurs that have essentially a firework coming out of their mouth. And so we had nothing doing. We had to get one of these. Now he got one last year, and the sales pitch was then he could keep it as a toy after and we did we took the firework out we cleaned it up we washed it the whole thing i couldn't tell you where this toy is i, don't, I haven't seen it six months minimum i haven't i don't even remember so anyway they get you on this stuff so we got some uh what all we got uh triceratops um so and that's all right i haven't seen let me see I gotta see if he's watching or not. I don't. So I haven't seen. I don't think he's watching. So Triceratops is just kind of the dinosaur I picked. 
that I like. I mean, I do like Triceratops, but his is his is T Rex. Like that's a very boy choice. T Rex. He's like, Dad, what's your favorite? I'm like, I kind of like them all. Like, no, got to have a favorite. What's your favorite? Like, I don't know, Triceratops. And then for the last year and a half, two years, my favorite has been locked in. I cannot have another favorite because I told Jackson one time, it's probably like a groggy morning. I like Triceratops. So anyway, one now Jackson's a good boy. Like he is a legitimately good kid because the dinosaur he picked was a T-Rex or a uh, Triceratops. Cause he's like, well, then we can both play with it and you'll like it too. I'm like, oh, throw it in the basket. You got me. Got it. All right. Throw it in there. I'm buying that thing, I guess. Um, all right. So some, some of those we got, uh, I'm introducing him to the rockets. Cause I think four is a good age. Like he can reasonably, I can reasonably expect that he's going to light this thing and not try to pick it up. So we got some of those like orbit launching rockets. So we're going to try one of those out. Uh, we also got some of the spinners that look like a big pill that then have a couple of wings on. Those are always good for a, uh, a good bang. So we're going to send some of those up and then we got some cakes because four is still a little young to be introduced to artillery shells. I feel like, so we still just, Keep it with the cakes. You can light it and run, and then it's the thing. Uh, they're also easier to clean up, I feel like. So, anyway, we got some cakes. We didn't get any reloadable shells. And that's like the firework talk on the show, I guess. I don't know. What are you guys getting? I what do you, I like some interaction here. Let me know what you guys are getting for fireworks because, it's like I said, we're firing some fireworks off Sunday, some Monday. I'm probably going to have to go re-up on uh, fireworks. I'm telling myself I'm going to split whatever we bought between the two. But then the other side of my brain says, we know you, and you're probably going to have to go buy some more. So let me know what you guys are buying for fireworks. and go pick some stuff up. I'll probably need to pick some stuff up. All right. It's after 12 o'clock Central. It is 12.02 p.m. Central. Daylight. Time. I never knew that changed CST and CDT until I started, like, having to schedule appointments with people. It's either... Central Standard Time or Central Daylight Time. Those are two different times. Whichever one it is, we're currently in it. So, you know. All right. Adding to stream. Uh oh. All right. Look at look at who starts it off. The one, the only. Matt. Throw this down the entire width of the pipe. We put this on to where it can still pivot and swing. And the pipe's down here, and then you got the nut, right? There. And then it's positioned there, and then you just yank the cord. We got plenty of these. Can you try it? Let's try it. We're headed back to Lebanon today to finish installing the rest. One note, this is Suzu truck. It's probably one of the best purchases we've made for vehicles in a very long time. Um, this thing is just handier than anything. Now. It's geared a little low, so it's not setting any speed records getting anywhere. But this thing's handy. We really like it. It's a delivery vehicle. It's a, it's an also a work truck. So obviously, in this, Matt and Chase are going to drive up to Lebanon uh, to put these up. But we also use it for like material delivery for repairs. Just a good all around truck. We might, we might be moving to just only these trucks moving forward. Haven't. I haven't really made that commitment yet, but it's certainly on my mind. Rest of the kennel panels. <laughs> I can guess who uh, who that sound effect came from. 
this week we're hitting the ground running. Matt's headed back to Lebanon. Now, if you haven't watched episode six for a little bit of context on why Matt's heading to Lebanon, go do that real quick and come back, and this might make a little bit more sense. I think at one time we had orange traps for this truck. Oh, I, I was getting ready to say I'd like to know what happened to the orange traps on the truck, but I do remember orange traps are not long enough to go up and over decent-sized loads. Strike that question. So, to be clear, this is a pet resort. Like, so it is a a weekend center for, you know, when people go on vacation, they drop their dogs off. The dogs are treated incredibly well. I say this because we've gotten some heat, not necessarily on this channel, but in the past. So we, on our website, we used to say we build custom kennels because we do for pet palaces or pet resorts, whatever you want to call these. Uh, we also do them for like wonders of wildlife for their animals, like for, uh, what do we currently have over there? We've got a pin for the beavers that we did years ago. Um, I want to say, no, I don't think we did anything with the bears. We might have done, uh, done some of them with the bears. But then also, like, for tigers, we do – down in Branson, there used to be a show with a guy that had – like a magician that had tigers. We've done tiger cages. We do work out at the zoo. Anyway, we had custom kennels down as one of the services we offer because Matt and his team do legitimately really good work on custom kennel enclosures. Well, some – someone – Got it in their head, just someone on the internet, got it in their head that we built, we built panels for com commercial pet breeding operations. And so then we started getting just raked over the coals in like reviews and this and that saying, how dare you contribute to that, to that, to that, to that. Like folks, let's be clear. These commercial pet breeding operations, like I've seen a few of them, they're not using our panels. They're not paying for fully custom panels. They're going to Tractor Supply, to Somo, Race Brothers, wherever, or Lowe's sells just cheap kennel kits. That's where they're going. They're buying those to use in their commercial breeding operations. They're not looking to spend the money for custom panels, but anyway. Took us a little while to sort that out. So I want to create that quick aside here to say this is a pet resort, not any sort of like breeding operation. Just got some of those in. We're going to make sure it's real good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's good. I can't 
you're not having fun with it, what are you doing? Right? Any updates for us, Matt? Uh, having fun out here. I really like how the personalities are starting to come through on the show, too. put this one up and we realized now that the ground's a little unlevel it's touching at the top here uh, not good we're going to go ahead and drop the gate we've got about an inch at the bottom for plays we're going to drop her down and get her swinging good Good to me. So in the old system, they used what was called guillotine doors. Now, that's what we call them. They might be called something else elsewhere, but they use guillotine doors, which weren't quite going to work with the new gates that we were installing. But Matt let his creativity shine and came up with a solution. To throw this down the entire width of the pipe. We put this on to where it can still pivot and swing, and the pipe's down here, and then you got the nut, right? And then it's positioned there, and then you just yank the cord. We got plenty of these. Can you try it? Let's try it. So I guess I'll ask, what do you guys call those doors? So the sliding vertical doors that uh, on, on a pet enclosure that separate inside from outside. Uh, I've always referred to them and heard them referred to as guillotine doors, uh, where you draw them up via a cable up from the door over to your, wherever your entrance is, where you can pull this cable, pull the cable, door comes up sort of thing. Like that. What do you guys call those doors? That's a perfect example. The cable goes up through the pulley that Matt installed over to another pulley that pulls up that guillotine, guillotine door and uh, lets Lark here in. How are you, bud? So we just got done putting in the last one. We had a couple issues here and there, but I think we overcame them. Uh, had to move and 
kind of tweak a couple of things, but overall, I think we did a pretty good yep. job. Yeah. Due to the nature of the business, we produce a fair amount of trash, both from the office, fabrication shop, stain shop, and the job-related trash that comes off of job sites. The trash dumpster, while it is fairly large, gets filled up fairly quickly, and we got tired of paying the trash company to dump this thing every week or so. Luckily, a local company stopped by with a pretty cool truck, and the little boy and me loved it. I think you're going to like it, too. What are we doing today, Eric? Uh, so this company over here basically takes our trash can and all the stuff that you see up, it's going to take it and basically crush it down. All these planks and stuff is going to turn into mulch for the most part. It'll probably be half of what it is with that fancy. These things are seriously impressive. Like, I, I want to work that thing so bad, but... There's apparently some special, obviously some specialized training and some certification that needs to go on before someone can operate uh, that crazy contraption. It it looks cool. Not a sponsored deal. Like we pay full price for these guys to come out, but it is every time. If I'm not doing anything like super pressing, I usually like to go out and just watch it just crush the tra crush that trash bin down. So take note, trash is now above that top line, which trash companies are not good with. So one of the things it does, one, it compacts it and it kind of mulch like those fence panels don't weigh much, right? So here's the, here's the reason we do this is we never meet the weight requirement on the bin for in regards to dumping we always meet capacity because we've got things like wood fence panels cardboard boxes paper towels from the trash stuff like that is light but it takes up volume so what these guys will come in and they'll one they will compact it and smash it down but two they also distribute the trash out throughout the bin because what we found is like you'll get humps in there you know in the middle of the dumpster everyone wants to throw stuff in the middle makes sense and then the far side is easy when we're pulling a trailer in it gets filled up first from the trailer so anyway one thing it compacts it but it also levels out the trash in there just like that the trash is crushed if you guys have it so see what i mean it was above the rails it it may not have taken it down to half but it got us another couple weeks out of it. Hey, Crusher franchise in your area and you're tired of having weekly pickups, check them out. This probably got us at least another week, possibly two, depending on workload, uh, before having to have this hauled off. Not a sponsored comment. I just legitimately like their service. Now, before this YouTube channel was a thing, we had an Ozark Fence YouTube channel. I spent a fair amount of time there. I actually kind of cut my YouTube teeth in that channel, so to speak. Uh, but as things got busier and this channel took off, that channel got neglected a little bit. Well, that all changed this week when Sarah got behind the camera and started recording some content. In this case, I'm going to put a random address here. No problem. Your project type. Sarah, what are we doing today? Today, we're revamping the Ozark Fence YouTube channel because it's a little outdated. 
but we're having fun. We're brainstorming and poor Braden is listening to me babble on and on and on and screw things up. But you know what? We're having fun. So. So if I can be so bold as ask you for a little bit of help, search YouTube for Ozark Fence and show that channel a little love. Uh, we're going to need help getting it restarted. And I'd really appreciate it. A year and a half ago, when we bought this property, the back fence line was... See if I can't find it real quick and link it in the comments below. Let's go to YouTube.com. Ozark fence. Now, the problem is we got to make sure we find the right Ozark fence, right? This <clears throat> well, we will find this one after, and we will drop the link in the description below. It was already pretty rough. It had been cut and then kind of patched in a few places. It was just not the kind of fence that a fence company would be proud to have on their property. We didn't replace it right away because there were a few question marks back there, specifically where the easement started and stopped in regards to an alley. The alley is a whole thing. It's technically open, but it could be closed. That's still up in the air, but nothing doing. We're replacing this fence. It's just not becoming of a fence. Yeah. So yeah, this is the problem. I went to go look for it and Braden says, I'm not sure the new channel is up though. That's the old one. Yes. So Part of the problem is the old channel. We lost access to that channel also when we were, when we switched web hosts. Um, yeah. So don't necessarily have access to the old channel. So we're going to have to update you guys in the future as to the new Ozark fence channel. Fence company to have a nasty looking fence on the property. The good people over at beta fence were nice enough to send their prism 3d product over for us to install and included in a video, not a paid promotion, but the material was free. So I thought that was important to pass along to you guys. It seems like a really nice system. So we, you see one panel up here. Uh, the problem we got into was the the clamps that they had sent, the hardware they sent wasn't, wasn't quite fitting correctly. Uh, it was actually, it's probably a quarter inch big. So the clamps, the brackets didn't actually clamp down on the post. Now we could self tap. They have holes for self tappers, but um, anyway, so reached out to uh, beta fence. They're supposed to be sending us new hardware to complete this fence. Far from done, but it's a lot better than it was before. Luckily, we knew a fence company that had some temporary fence panels that'll keep us nice and secure. So stay tuned in subsequent weeks us. to see us install the Prism 3D panels. Several weeks ago, we had a fence installation that we couldn't show you guys because it was out at the airport. And they get a little touchy when people show up with video cameras. But we had some posts that came back from that project. So John and Matt had some free time and we need to repurpose these posts from a custom built post into just standard fence post. So they got the feet up. All we're doing is cutting these off. These were used at an airport, and now we're repurposing the posts. So they, we had to fabricate these posts because they wanted, it was a temporary fence, but the specs called for like this configuration where they wanted a 
a full size round galvanized post, but they did not want it core drilled into the apron, which is totally fine. I wasn't looking forward to core drilling into a, uh, into an airport's, you know, landing strip. But, um, anyway, so we had to fabricate these sandbags went on these feet to hold it up and it, it worked really well. And actually I say that I want to say, I'd have to check with my dad, dad. I want to say every third or fourth post, actually, Matt, if Matt, if you're here, I think every third or fourth post got set. Uh, we had to build kind of a, a lightning bolt or a Z. Uh, so we'd, we could set them into the dirt, I think, but then the fence actually sat on the apron. Anyway, we had to cut those off. Not the preferred method of removal, uh, but sometimes things get done for YouTube content. Like it never happened. So here we are Friday. We're all caught up in the shop, and I think we're going to go ahead and make some stock wood gates. We're going to be making several different kinds, and wanted to bring you along. Here we are looking at the interior of the gate, and this is the part that we're going to be making in the shop. We're basically making the frame. We're going to be slapping two by fours on it so that when it's ready to go out to the site, all they have to do is throw it up on the post and put pickets up on it. So now that we've made our cuts, we're going to go ahead and mark three and a half inches. And that way we'll know exactly where to drill for the shark hinges. This is the latch piece. We're going to be measuring it at 30 inches and marking it right in the middle to drill two small holes for the latch. That's the nice thing about we prefabricate up all the steel frames. So actually this question just came up, uh, kind of a question. So uh, is aluminum frame better than on a wooden gate or just wood? We actually build ours out of steel. Uh, aluminum might be a little soft for what we're looking to do. Steel frame is always preferred over a wood frame, in my opinion. Now, <laughs> there are some guys that build some pretty wicked wood frames. Sean King, you know, at all. Um, those work. My opinion is I prefer steel frame, steel post, and then hardware that attaches from the steel post to the steel frame, the shark in, shark latch system. Anyway, we're fabricating it up, and Matt and his team, went, once they fabricate it, they pre-drill everything. So literally, it's just assembly. There's no drilling. There's no cutting or anything on site. It's simply just bolting everything together, putting it up on the fence, attaching the pickets. Now that we've got this tacked together, we're going to measure from corner to corner and make sure that it's square. So that one is uh, 
seven, six, fifteen, sixteen. Seventy six and three quarter. So if they're off by more than sixteenth or an eighth of an inch, we'll just want to clamp them down and move them in the direction that they're shy on. So for this one, we're looking for seven six and seven eighths, or seventy six and seven eighths, seven six seven eight. So for some reason, I didn't actually film Matt fixing the problem. I just have before and after. So what he did is he clamped one side of the frame down and then tapped the other side until it was square using the method that he showed earlier. And then he clamped that down, welded together, and then boom, he's good to go, it's square. So 76 and seven eighths. And 76 and seven eighths. So now we know we're good. See that? Mm -hmm. That's from the the fan. Even though it's not pointing right on us, just the airflow of the fan and me not shielding it. We just got this frame done and we're ready to slap on two by fours. like that we got her done voila so you guys haven't met him on the show yet i don't think but on the right is kai uh kai works with us on fridays from uh oh for about four hours during the day uh i will we'll introduce you guys to kai he's a real he's a special guy he's he's a hoot he keeps us laughing for sure So Friday evening, we had a Sertoma event. And I'll get more oh, into what Sertoma is and my involvement with them in the future. Suffice to say for right now, Sertoma stands for Service to Mankind. It is my honor to award this year's Service to Mankind Award to Mrs. Sarah O'Neill. Uh, but I just want to say on behalf of Ozark events, this is incredible and the opportunity that you've also helped us to be able to get back to our community is amazing. And for me personally, I love the fact that, you know, there was special permissions given to help me give back to like through Sertoma and that was amazing. So I've always enjoyed volunteering with you guys. You're a lot of fun, um, but more than anything, just thank you. Thank you for letting us be part of it. Congratulations, Joe Everest, Arthur Tomlin of the Year. This is kind of a special year um, that we were. So Sarah was awarded uh, service to mankind because so we, we being Ozark Fence, underwrite uh, the Sertoma gifting program, which is uh, area children's org. We should probably do a video on this actually, but uh, area children's organizations uh, submit grants applications. Um, so you know, diaper bake of the Ozark. So there's a, uh, 
there's a significant amount of Ukrainian refugees who are in Southwest Missouri. Um, but obviously they're still having to get up on their feet sort of thing. And so diaper bank of the Ozarks provides diapers to, uh, Ukrainian refugees who have children's wearing diapers. Um, but they needed help funding that. So then they would submit an application for a grant from Springfield Sertoma, who generally receives funds from events that we put on. I, I'm a member of Springfield Sertoma. Uh, we do like a wingapalooza and a chili cook-off, uh, some really fun events where it's usually food, tasting, testing. Uh, there's a band. There's usually some beer sold. Uh, it's, it's a generally fun event that then generates something like a quarter million dollars a year uh, in funds. Now, total funds. Now, a lot of that's given out to other you know, Boys and Girls Club and this and that, but a portion of that goes to this program. Unfortunately, um, you know, in 2020, we didn't have any of these events. We didn't have Wing of Palooza. We didn't have Chili Cook-Off, but the organizations that depend on this funding still had needs. They probably had greater needs, if we're being honest, right? So um, that seemed... Now, from Springfield Sertoma's perspective, I mean, there's not a lot that that, that that the group could have done because we didn't have any events. We couldn't have events to generate revenue, but these organizations still needed help. So um, uh, Ozark Fence, we got together in one of our um, executive committee meetings, advisory council committee meetings, and uh, voted to underwrite. We commit to giving $25,000 per year to the grant program so that there'll never be a year where we can't give back to the community. Springfield Sertoma can't help these organizations. Diaper Bank, the Ozarks, um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club, you know, these area children organizations. Um, so, and this year was a, was a great example because it was basically, a, we were able to have these events, Wing of Palooza and Chili Cook-Off, but they were break even. So food costs obviously has gone through the roof. So an event like Wing of Palooza where we have to buy the wings, we broke even, but because Ozark Fence stepped up and underwrote the program, we were still able, I think as, as an organization, Springfield Sertoma gave out roughly $31,000 uh, in grant in grant applications or uh, yeah, two grant applications. So anyway, uh, Sertoma of the Year or the Service to Mankind Award was recognizing uh, Ozark Fence's impact on our local community uh, by underwriting, you know, that program. Um, so then... This is me accepting Sertoman of the Year. I also got Sertoman of the Year. So it was kind of neat that both of us uh, got an award in the same year. I, I don't believe that anybody comes into this club to gain recognition or gain, you know, special whatever. But it is nice, and I do appreciate it. Our whole goal, when, when talking about through Ozark fans and through our... So that picture, I know where they found it, but uh, <laughs> that's Jackson that I'm holding. Uh, and Jackson is now four. He's this rosy-cheeked uh, little kid. He was probably a year in this picture, I would guess. Um, I was pretty surprised. So they they go and find their own pictures, and then they put them up as you know, and trying to surprise whoever it is. And they got me on that one. Family of giving back to the community and making a better place isn't isn't for recognition, but make an impact, right? But more than that, it's really what we want to show is that one family with one fence company can make an incredible difference and hopefully through that encourage other people to also make an incredible difference. So to give a little bit of context as to the award that Sarah's receiving, oh, Ozark go. Fence has established a charitable giving account so that a percentage of our revenue each year 
gets given back to our community. It was my grandfather's vision that we build a better community, a stronger community. It's better for the businesses within that community. And this is kind of an extension of that. A part of that charitable giving account, $25,000 per year has been pledged to the Sertoma grant program. The Sertoma grant program gives this money to area not-for-profit organizations specifically that help children's charities, children's needs. So children's is widely defined as anyone under 18. They have to impact children here in Southwest Missouri. It's an incredible organization. It's an incredible cause. We felt led to give back to that. So in appreciation for us helping them help the community, they recognized Ozark Fence and through Ozark Fence, Sarah accepted the award. I hope that made sense. All right, so Bray and I were actually just having a conversation and that we're wondering how many people actually make it to the end. I mean, the average view duration is a legitimate stat on these videos that YouTube thinks is incredibly important. So the more people that watch to the end, the better the video does, et cetera, onward. How many people actually watch to the end? That's what we're trying to figure out. If you're watching this, please comment below end so we can figure out how many people are actually watching to the end. And then we're going to brainstorm a way to reward those of you that actually make it to the end. Until next time, I'm Joe Everest, the fence expert, reminding you the good fences make good neighbors. All right, guys, let me know what you thought of this week's video. It, uh, I, we're, we're having a great time making these videos. We really are. Um, we're also so we're also brainstorming a way to reward those that make it to the end. Uh, probably in some sort of giveaway. Let me know what you guys think would be a good giveaway that would be um, that would be appreciated. You know, I don't want to just give out, you know, a discount code at ozfence.store because really that would, I mean, I don't mind doing that, but that would only benefit people that buy chain link fittings from our online store, right? So that if, so for the staining side, that would have very little impact if these staining contractors didn't also service chain link fences. Right. But then also part of me uh, thought about reaching out to Caleb and Ashley, see if we couldn't purchase some gift cards from them. But for the fencing side that didn't do staining and sealing, I don't know if that would be, you know, as applicable. Right. So I don't know. Let me know what you guys think would be, you know, a good giveaway for people that make it to the end. I want to reward people that watch these videos in their entirety because it helps the channel, right? So it's a win-win for Sean King, right? That what helps the channel helps our company. I want to give back and say, thank you for helping us build the channel. Right. So let me know what you guys think would be a good giveaway for uh, making it to the end of these. So probably what we're going to do is, have a series of these words and you know so say this each each entry one per video enters gives you one entrance into this you know uh giveaway we can go into a random number generator pick a winner that person gets this gift right so um let me know what you guys think would be a good giveaway to do um uh, what would be would have value to you, the viewer, to receive as a giveaway item for watching these videos in their entirety. We're always looking for help. Let me catch up on some comments real quick, and then your past time in this thing to wrap this show up. 
CNS Vinyl is going to want an invitation to the 4th of July party that I'm planning for sometime in the future. You got it. Sure. No problem at all. Divine Fences. That's a nice hat, Joe. Happy 4th Fence fan. Thank you. Do you like this hat? Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to you on the 4th. Jason's here with us. Hey, Fence fam. Tail end fencing here. You recognize that name because... Jason was the second winner of Spend a Day with the Expert. Uh, Kevin has a point. Kevin was the first winner of Spend a Day with the Expert. Uh, Kai is awesome. He really is. He is a hoot and a character. Uh, we enjoy having him. Uh, John, who you just saw, fabricating or defabricating those posts. Uh, Kai runs the show on Friday. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Uh, and Jason is giving us an example of what we're looking for in that video. Comment end on the video when it comes out. Now, it doesn't come out until uh, 1.45, so, you know, another hour and 10-ish minutes. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for making it to the end of this live broadcast. If you guys are watching it live, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you as well. We have a live show every Saturday, most every Saturday from 10 to 12.30 Central. I'd love to see you guys there, but regardless, appreciate you listening all the same. Guys, until next time, I'm Joe Everest, the fence expert, reminding you the good fences make good neighbors, and I'll see you next week.